Ready? So welcome back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a huge thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me in the adventurous lifestyle. If you guys need any gear for your next adventure, running, camping, climbing, hiking, you guys name it, these guys have it. So go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code, MYDIARY, all one word, capital letters, wildearth.com.au. Okay, so now you guys know that I live in Crescent Head and we love our little town and my friends and neighbors here have started Crescent Head Brewing Co. Not only do I love supporting small business, I love supporting just good humans. So let's give a big shout out to Crescent Head Brewing Co. And next time you come to our little town, stop into the tavern or the tavern bottle and support the locals. Two beers to choose from, a fruity XBA or a Chris Lager. Surf the point all day. Then have a Crescent Head Brewing Co. beer, watching the waves as the sun goes down. That's the point, right? Now remember, when you come to Creso, enjoy this beautiful place and our local beer. But remember to leave no trace and take your garbage with you, please, guys. Okay, so you guys are about to meet Bert, just a really cool guy traveling around the world on his motorbike. So Bert stopped into mine and we just sat down and just had a really great chat about traveling. And like usual, it got deep. So thanks heaps, Bert, for stopping in and sharing your story. You're an absolute legend, brother. Okay, guys, enjoy this episode. That's <laughs> uh, all good, yeah. Yeah, okay, you ready? You comfortable? I am, yeah. All right, Bert. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but what is your last name? Like, how do you actually... Uh, so, in, in, my, in my dialect, it would be Bert Butte. Butte? Yeah. Oh, your last name's Butte. Butte, yeah. It would be like B-O-U-T-E. So, it'd be Bert Butte. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's Belgian? That's a Yeah, Bel- Flemish. Yeah, which is Dutch. Dutch. But the dialect is Flemish. Yeah. So, wait, so you're from Belgium, but do you speak French as well? Cause you yeah. Know, like- so, the north, they speak Flemish, and then the south, we've got... Um, We've got uh, French-speaking people, and then in the east, we've got a bit of, bit of, bit of Germans. Yeah, only really small population, but they do speak German. So then what, what can you speak? Uh, I speak um, Flemish as, or Dutch as my main language, then French, English, and then uh, a little bit of Italian. Really? So wait, you yeah. speak French better than English? No, I used to, but not now. Oh, sorry, yeah. I, I'm just doing the hierarchy because oh, yeah, back Belgium. in Belgium. Now I've been I've been working a fair bit in English and then uh, so my previous job was quite a bit of stuff like research in English and then been traveling around and then being well, in. Well, know. that's what you're here for because we're going to tell you a story and it's yeah. pretty funny. So, okay, so what you've you've been on the road for four years. In April it'll be four years. In April, yeah. four years riding yeah. a motorbike and we'll get right into it in a, in a second. But riding a motorbike around the world, right? Yeah. And I met up with you today in Hathead, Australia. So it's an hour north of Crescent, my my little point. And one thing that I notice is you can't you can't go anywhere 
without every man and their dog coming up and going, whoa, what are you doing? Because you've got this crazy decked out machine motorbike that you can see has is equipped to yeah. get through a lot of situations. Well, Probably today was maybe a little bit above average uh, of people like that I get their attention because um, I think just lots of people were just happy to have the weekend off and like um, they were all in a good mood because yeah a lot of people were asking oh where are you coming from where are you going yeah and some sometimes you go in the bush and nobody gives a fuck yeah well this no. is a, it's a nice area around here so okay so you're from Belgium what I really want to know is you know I think I suppose I ask everyone this this is my biggest curiosity of people like you is like where did you get the idea from to do this like the motivation to do it the inspiration to mm. do it and where did you actually get the like the that trigger point that went no nah, i'm gonna do it you know what i mean like where yeah. did this idea come from did it start from like a little boy as an adult like um well so my, my parents they love traveling and uh yeah shove that a little closer yeah my oh that's better yeah, my so. parents they love traveling and um so when I was, oh, I think, 13 or something, we went to Nepal. And then before that, we went to Morocco with my parents. And we've kind of, then we had a van and we're traveling in, in Scotland and Europe and where, where, wherever. So I've kind of always been, been traveling. Uh, so I really wanted to like see the world and explore it. And then um, even my grandparents, they're like 90 or something. And they're still going around with their, uh, with their mobile home, you know, like a, like a, like you, like you, yeah we call it the gray nomads here. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so they, they actually do the same yeah. so it's quite nice and um yeah so then that so i i, I did a phd and uh when i graduated what what did you study uh so i'm a product designer in in um medical device development yeah really yeah really so, so i'm actually just a product designer so i could make this table i could make bloody this microphone or whatever like help designing it and the concepts but then my PhD was actually a specialization in medical device development. And uh, I made a device for breast cancer treatment. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it? Uh, so it's basically a, a table or, a, or a, some kind of a bed. And you can kind of position the patient on there. And the, the doctors and the medical staff, they wanted to have like a, a, a better treatment position. But they didn't have a device how to position the patient and how to like um, make the results reproducible yeah because they've got like 15 conse consecutive sessions on there three weeks in a row so i came up with a device and like a concept and like made a prototype in like plywood and foam and like really basic in the beginning welded a couple of brackets and stuff and then it's i made now it's like made in full carbon fiber and a single bit of metal is in there because it goes through like the the x-ray machine Oh, uh, wicked. Yeah, so we proper treat the the breast cancer so it's not like a mammography, which is more like a screening up front. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it must was, feel good too to create something or be part of something that actually helps benefit oh, for other real. people. Yeah, because some designers make a Ferrari and it's just for the... Yeah. For the, for the, for the, for the plebs people, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, no, I, like for me, that's a huge advantage or like a huge motivation to design things which have like a added value or like a um which help other people yeah, yeah for sure oh yeah. brilliant so so how like how old are you you're 30 30 yeah yeah and so okay so you left when you're like 26 so yeah, you finished so studying and then like were you traveling before this or were you just working no so 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 when i finished studying uh 
I just traveled a bit around, a bit in Asia, but only like for a month or a month and a half maximum, like during school holidays. And then when I started doing my PhD, uh, so that's about five years, I went to Thailand and some other stuff. And then I really realized like, oh, I want to see uh, Central Asia and Southeast Asia. Um, and then I still I used to have a girlfriend back at the day there, then. Um, and then suddenly my mate from uni, he, he started traveling around with a motorbike from Europe. He went out from Belgium. He went to Scandinavia and then all the way to Russia and Mongolia. Uh, and I was like, shit, yeah, I want to do that. So I was like, <clears throat> fuck backpacking. I'll, I'll buy myself a bike. So I, I bought my first bike then, like 2024 20, or something. And um, yeah, prepped the bike. And the bike I've got now is my first bike. Because it's not actually the perfect bike. It's a good bike, but probably I, w I would have bought a different bike if I would do it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's my first bike. And I just kept on modifying things until I was happy with it. Uh, and then, yeah, started traveling. Um, so yeah. what did you have to do to the motorbike? Uh, put fuel in. <laughs> um, no, like different suspension, different light, different front fairing to have like electronics at the back, different seats, uh, like a pannier rack for, for, for bags, uh, protection for the, for the engine, um, crash bars, heated grips, like... like the, all the actually all the accessories that I put on is more expensive than the bike because I bought the bike for like two thousand dollars, like Australian. Really? Uh, yeah, like the equivalent back home. And it's it's yeah. a um what type of bike? It's a Honda Transalp or like XL six hundred, yeah, six hundred V. So it's basically twin cylinder six hundred from ninety eight. Yeah, and so and and I saw that you, yeah you welded on a bigger fuel tank. You extended yeah, the fuel that's tank. Yeah, right. that's That's later on because I was always running out of fuel and then. Uh, uh, actually, the, the, in Australia, I ran out more. Uh, in Australia, I ran like the the highest amount of times out of fuel because it's it's everything. There's long distances in Australia. Some people go to the to the local shop and it's two hundred kilometers away. So um, uh, yeah, I decided I need to have a bigger fuel tank in in uh, in and Australia. So you, so you know, you got this bike, you've prepped it, but at the time, are you thinking, oh, I'm gonna go? around the world for four years or like, and I know you've, you're not, it's going to end up being like five or six or six, who knows? Cause you're still going, but I'm like, where did that idea come from? Like after your mate, like inspiring you to go Russia, but for you, like, where was it? That was like, no, nah, I'm just going to go everywhere. Well, yeah, that's funny. Cause in the beginning I, um, I just wanted to travel nine months. No, that's actually not true. I wanted to travel about a year. And, um, so, I, so, Two years before the end of my PhD, I was starting to plan and, you know, like like the exciting phase and everything is, is fucking cool. So you start planning and, and looking ahead. And then on a party, I met a girl and I just had a bit of fun and, and then it kind of became a relationship. So I said to her from like the first day I met her, like, look, I want to go on to this trip on my own because it's a different experience, you know? Yeah. Like it's... Yeah, you don't so, have to and worry it, about anyone Exactly. Yourself. Like you've got no restrictions and stuff. So... Mm. Um, then after, uh, suddenly we, we stayed together for a while and then I was like, oh, maybe we need to make a compromise. And like, we made a deal kind of, I would stay for about nine months and I would go from Belgium to the Himalayas and I would just fly the bike back and fly back myself. Uh, and, um, she visited me in Iran for about a month and then again in Nepal, but actually in between those two trips, we kind of broke up and we decided that we've got like different parts in life. Mm. So then I started like 
figuring out how to get the bike back. Which is super hard. I, like to make that call because, and I don't want to break up anyone's relationship right yeah. now, but it's, um, you know, we've all been in, except for maybe the, the groms that are listening, but we've all been at that stage in life where it's like, you know, sometimes relationships run their course. Sometimes it's like not a bad thing to, to break up. It's like, sometimes it's like literally like, it's like you start going on separate paths. I know yeah. me and my, my ex, um, did that as like, she started wanting different things in life than, than sure. me and yeah, what our yeah. core values are. And for a relationship, yeah. you need core values. You know, you need to be heading in the same direction. And yeah. so, you know, that's something, especially if we're in our mid twenties, if you've got this yearning desire of your own dream, because I've done it. Like when I first wanted to travel, I, me and two mates went down to South Oz to work in the mines to get money. And I had a girlfriend and I went down there for like four months and quit and came back, went, oh, no, I've gone, got to hang out with my girlfriend. Yeah. And then my mates went traveling. And that was the big thing for me that went, oh, my God, I've got to go. And she ended up coming with me. But it was like, you know, I was just like, where was this? I was 19. Why was it? Why did I give up all my dreams? For, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was 19. I was just like, no, like, I was yeah. like, yeah. So, so for you, like, did you like to make that call, like, was that super hard or did you just feel that inside? Well, because we were so far apart and in between, the, the time in between that she visited me was four months. So we kind of just started growing away from each other. And um, then we just had a couple of calls and it's like, yeah, I think we just, we, like, we had a bit of a break and then after a couple of weeks, we actually realized that we just need, need to go our own ways. Mm. And um, yeah, we both, agreed on it and was really nice and then she still visited me actually in nepal and we traveled together for like a month and oh, we did beautiful. like really nice hikes like like trekkings in, in the himalayas and it was actually really really good like a beautiful closing chapter for like the relationship and then after that we just went our own ways That's and such a mature way to, oh, to it was do it actually as well. was really 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 nice we re re both of us we really enjoyed it and then um i realized shipping the bike to australia is cheaper than shipping it to belgium so i then uh, from that point, I was like, fuck it, I'm going around the world. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, really? So, yeah. you started looking out. So, you're in Nepal. Okay, so, for, to get to Nepal from Belgium, where did you go? Um, there's a couple of countries in between. Um, oh, maybe 25 or something. So, f through Europe, from Belgium to Germany, um, France, uh, Austria, Italy, Slovenia. And then it goes to Croatia, Serbia um uh, romania bulgaria then i went to greece and actually did a couple of island hoppings like uh, i think i went through five islands to to reach turkey because uh, I, I loved rock there's heaps of like world-class rock climbing in in greece on the islands so i just mm. ended up doing some rock climbing on the islands and then i went to turkey and uh, from turkey to iran no sorry yeah from turkey to iran then Turkmenistan, uh, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Tajikistan, back to Kyrgyzstan to go to China, because you can't really go through Afghanistan. You can, but you can only go in from the same way you exit. Yeah. Um, so I still kind of need to find a way to go to Pakistan. So that was over China. And uh, then from China to um, yeah Pakistan, India, then to Nepal, and that's kind of... The first lap of the trip. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm just picturing you going through so many 
wild places where people are like just not expecting to see a white dude on a motorbike yeah just cruising for sure i've been in a couple of valleys that there's literally indeed we probably would have been the first one or like maybe their dad saw one or something you know yeah, yeah wow yeah like i've been in places where they're just like oh my god a white person they're yeah. gonna come and like see you and touch you and stuff that's and right like, yeah what for, for you okay so like how are you living like you've been doing it for four years but like in when you're in europe like are the campgrounds or are you staying in hostel like how did that how did you live like how did you like eat live sleep camp um like, well, it's a, the beginning is always hard, and it's with everything. Like your first job is hard, getting used, like getting into the rhythm. Yeah. And as soon as you find a rhythm, you you find extra time to like improve your kind of quality of life. So I actually the first ten days were pretty bad. There was rain nonstop every day. It was rain in Europe because I left in spring, and it was just a huge um, depression around around the ocean, the Mediterranean Ocean. So the first days actually I spent a lot of money in, in motels or like uh, bed and breakfast or just whatever I could find along the road because it was just miserable, cold yeah. and rainy. And after 10 days, it was almost, I was almost spent. I was like, oh, this is so shit, like so much rain. Uh, so I kind of started rushing to uh, Croatia. Uh, Croatia was still really bad. Serbia was starting to get better. And then finally in Romania, I actually had the first first nice weather after 10 days uh, and then i started just wild camping and then you just buy some food in the in the grocery store so and are you looking at maps like to find campgrounds or like um, use an eye overland or yeah, something yeah so we've got that we've got that one in in europe and um um so I, I use a lot of that and then so basically that's an app and then you can see like where you can get free water or free showers or just like a nice campground for free and people can update it like you that's can right. you can find a sick spot and you can yeah. you can put something and on put there a comment eh? on there, the yeah. yeah but what i also just really love is just go like because so what i like to do with the motorbike is go on dirt tracks and gravel tracks and when I find a nice spot and the sun is about to go down and just set up my camp, like set up my tent, fold out, fold out that chair, have a bit of red wine or beer and just have like enjoy the sunset. And then you just live in the bush and a couple of animals like peeking through the bush. And then you see maybe a deer running across the like the field. And yeah, that's that's for me to go. Like I, I don't need to have an organized campground or, mm. you know. At first yeah. doing that, we, did it make you nervous? Did, like was there a transition of starting, of feeling safe to do that? Like, oh, is this okay? Like can I do that? People say that to me about my troopy because I just sleep everywhere and they're like, oh, aren't you worried? Or what if you get in trouble or this and that? I'm like, I've never gotten in trouble. Yeah. I've never, been, like, you know what I mean? But it, yeah. I remember when I first started camping in a van or car years ago, you're like, oh, you know, get, and you're driving around looking for a good spot, or, you know, and then you kind of get just feel safe. True, yeah. Oh, I, I've had a couple of moments that like the farmer suddenly comes towards me, like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I was just following that track. I didn't know it was private property. I, I was just, yeah, had had a look on the map. I thought I could go there, and then, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, so you're just going through." And then they ease down really fast because in the beginning they just think you're like a invader, you know. And yeah. on a motorbike they think you're just ripping through. And Until like, you sa show that you're safe, you're yeah. like, "Oh, hey, man, I'm just yeah." Doing my and then thing. I show my bike and I say, "Like, look, I'm just easy going. Like, I'm not yeah. like a motocross guy who who rips through your forest and just rips everything open and makes a lot of noise." And then oh, so many times they're like, "Oh, yeah, just set up your tent there. There's a really nice creek or river or like a like a lake." 
lake down there, set up your tent there if you want to make a fire, this, that. They invited me mm. in their homes. So, and, and you really start to um, be able to read the people up front. Like sometimes yeah. you just feel like there's something off. Yeah. Uh, I've had a, yeah, I've had a couple of things that I thought, oh, I'm just not, it doesn't feel right. And you just say like, oh, thanks. Anyway, I'm, 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 I'll figure out something. Or you just make up like a cheap lie and say, oh, I've got something booked. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, um, so in India, for example, I had almost every day people inviting me in their house. And uh, sometimes you just want to have a bit of private space for yourself. Because um, yeah. you stay one night and it's nice. And then after the second night, they want to show you the whole city and, and show you around to all their cousins and their whole family. And then the third night, they say they've got a special special festival going on. And then the fourth night, you say, oh, it's it's actually really time to go. And then they're like, oh, we're not done yet. Like, yeah, you have to stay here. They feel insulted that you're leaving. Yeah. And sometimes it's just too much. and like uh, Too much hospitality. Yeah, and it's just amazing to just be on your own and like, like uh, that you don't have to justify your deeds and you can just make yeah. your food and go to bed and, you know, like don't have to be polite and talk, like tell stories and tales, you know. How did you transition into this life? Like... Yeah, like, how did you transition from, you know, a working lifestyle to, you know, like a, you know, obviously you had a good job, a, yeah. you, you know, creating things to suddenly like just sitting in the tent and watching the forest, um. you know, because that, <laughs> even I find that hard. Um, I'm so good at it now, but I used to find it super hard, but I'll be here like working, like go, go, go yeah. in this in this collective consciousness that we have here of like, you know, we've got to do this, this and this in life. Yeah. So you kind of get caught up in that. And then I go to Indonesia and you got to kind of like retrain yourself, recondition yeah. yourself to yeah. just sit in a hammock. Well, so sometimes I really crave to be alone and like go in the bush and just enjoy. And like you say, just sit down and watch like nature for an hour or two and have a glass of wine or whatever, you know, just, yeah. just kind of connect with it. But then other times after a couple of days, I start to feel really, really lo lonely. Mm. Like, oh, I really need to go to the city or meet with some people or like kind of build up like a friendship or something. Because actually traveling is actually fairly lonely. If you mm. go like on your bike and you go through the nature and stuff, um, it, it's amazing to have every evening your campground and set it up. But like you kind of want to share your stories also with other people and have a laugh like oh how good was that river crossing yeah dude i almost fell in there yeah, yeah like oh, i was laughing my ass off you know like fucking the water was above your like flew all the way above your head you're soaking wet mm. whereas if you're alone you're like oh fuck i'm wet like oh shit this is yeah you know? yeah and with two like one guy's just laughing like crazy and the other guy is covered in mud and and at the campfire in the evening is the best story exactly so yeah. that is it like that's a big big thing like traveling from time to time with friends or just people that you meet along the road and and that you can just share your stories and experiences with for sure that's for me really important um, when, when you first started like cruising you know yeah. what i mean like did you start were you like feeling guilty you know like when you just like that first transition from work to like oh, i'm going um, on a trip i'm just going to sit here and hang out you know what I mean? Did you start feeling that like guilt or like I should be doing something? Yeah. I should be creating. I should be making something. Well, I, the first weeks I had like lots of, lots of plans and stuff because I, I was planning up to have about nine months to go from Belgium to the Himalaya. So I kind of had a schedule and I kind of, you know, I had everything planned out. And then uh, it was 10 days of rain. So I started rushing kind of to, to, to Bulgaria. 
because I was meeting up with my friends there. They were there on holiday. Uh, my, my parents, they were there on holiday. Um, so the beginning was pretty, like, hectic. And then yeah. there was... Um, uh, because it's Europe, it kind of feels like home anyway. It was only, like, B- Belgium to Bulgaria is probably not even oh, 2,000 kilometers, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but it, you go yeah. through six countries or something. Yeah. So uh, it feels really like it's really comfortable, like, leave. Whereas if you would do the opposite and you would drop your bike drop it off in India and then start driving back for sure that's a bit of a roller coaster of emotions and just traffic and everything so for me build up quite gently and then as soon as you're in a routine you kind of um, or at least that's for me I, I always want to be busy and do some stuff so I, I planned like a rock climbing trip for two weeks in, in, in Greece then in uh, Turkey I met up with some people that I met that like that I knew from before and then I we actually I met two German guys and uh, and a Dutch guy, and we traveled like on and off. Like we traveled in Turkey for a couple of weeks together. Then we traveled in Tajikistan for a couple of weeks. Then we traveled mm. whole Pakistan together. And uh, so we we met that it's it's unreal. Like we met them so many times along mm. the road, and then traveled together. And then you try and try to like work towards that goal. Yeah, it's like and you're. You know, you you have that outgoing, open personality, and I don't know if you've always had that, but it's like you have to have that to be a traveler because otherwise it is lonely. Mm. You have to have the confidence to see someone and go up and say, hey, what's going on? What are you guys doing? And I just had like, I just stayed in my first hostel that I have in a long time because I just went to New Zealand. Um, doing some mountaineering when we got off the mountains the boys had to fly out back to Australia to, to a wedding and I had a few days in Queenstown so I went to the hostel and you know it's post-COVID it's just New Zealand just opened up a few yeah. weeks ago you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's filled with backpackers but it was so different to what I was used to yeah. and also like I'm a bit different now. Like, okay, I just got off the mountains and I, and I just turned 36. You probably smelled so pretty bit, bad. Bit yeah, and I had a pretty solid <laughs> yeah. beard. Yeah. But, like, I'm at, well, I first started sitting down in the common room, the kitchen, and there's, like, all this crew around. I sat down. I was like, oh, are you guys going to sit in? They're like, yeah. And I sat down and started, like, chat, trying to chat with these crew. And they're like, no, everyone was just, like, super closed off and, like, kind of in their phones. Oh, really? And I was thinking, yeah. whoa, this is, yeah. this is different. And, like, I tried again with a couple... People that like, I was like, oh, well, like, I was like, whoa, young, like first travelers that have also had a very important time of their life of their late teens or early twenties of the conditioning of three years of like, don't talk to strangers, don't yeah. be near strangers. Yeah, that's right. And I was yeah. just thinking, I just remember thinking like, not as a bad thing, yeah. just remember thinking, wow, they've just left. This yeah. is their first like backpacking experience within freaking two months or three months these people are going to be out of their shell open talking to people and so i'm thinking like whoa this is weird like shit you know like and i'm like so i went i just felt like super lonely because i couldn't connect with anyone i went i went for a walk around town i came back and then i was gonna make making a tea or something i went in and tried to chat to a couple people still just getting nothing i'm like oh yeah like kind of and I'm thinking like, fuck, is it me? Do I, yeah, you know, yeah. do I smell? And then <laughs> I go into my room and um, there's a couple of guys in there and I start chatting with them. And then this guy's like, oh, hey. like it was a Canadian guy. He's like, hey, man, we go in the pub. You want to come? I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. And then went to the pub and it was like an English guy, a Belgium guy, uh, a German. Sounds like a joke. A Canadian, <laughs> an American, an Aussie, uh, a Kiwi. Yeah, you know, it was just this mixture. And we went 
And the English guy, he'd been there for, I think, oh, a while. Anyway, he was so funny and so out. And all these people had been traveling through a bit longer. And they were kind of saying like, yeah, it's like people starting to come back out of their yeah. shells. And um, I had so much fun with these guys. So we ended up going out and everything. And yeah, that's what I realized. I was like, whoa, like it's like right now, if you are in like places like India and everything, where it's just like you're so the backpacking scene's so like just in your face, you have yeah. to meet up with people. But I'm like, well, these young people, it's so important to travel to break that conditioning of being feared, of like fearing your neighbor. True, completely agree. Because it's yeah. like that's yeah. one thing that would have taught you. It's like you've been going for four years now, and you can just go talk to anyone yeah. because like, what do you have to lose? Yeah, you, all you right. have is yeah. to gain. Yeah, you know. No, that, it, must, it must be actually it must be quite difficult now and need to kind of break that habit of being cautious and stuff yeah yeah like think um, about like young crew that have mm. like they've been you know been in lockdown since seven since yeah. they were 17 now they're 19 20 and they're like oh finally i'll get my year to travel yeah. you know what i mean but and then their mom will be like make sure you've got your mask and hand sanitizer yeah <laughs> and stay 1.5 meters yeah. away from anyone yeah 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 so okay 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 oh man I'll you, quickly make it a little more comfy. Yeah, you've been going... I just realized too, you've been going for four years, traveling through all these countries. You've been doing that through COVID as well. Yeah, but I was I was in Australia for that, so that it's not a bad spot. Um, uh, so the state borders were closed, but every state is bigger than Belgium. Uh, every state is bigger than France, probably. So it's it's not too bad to, stay, to be locked down in one state. Um, well, you can still travel, yeah. Yeah, but... I, so I, 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 the bike was getting shipped from India to Brisbane and it went over Singapore. And I was in the meantime in Laos and Malaysia and stuff because it took about two months. And um, Oh, wow. So you took the ship, the bike from there and then you just went traveling by yeah, yourself. Yeah, I did a bit of backpacking again. So yeah, so I was in Laos and no, I was in Thailand, Laos and then um, then Malaysia because I was visiting the like a company there and... Um, that and then yeah, traveled around there and i want like i heard that the bike or, or i just checked up where the bike was and then um uh suddenly yeah all the news was getting more and more like heated up about the COVID thing and i was like oh surely it's not too bad like it's just a small thing because that was the end of february i think yeah um, i was in iceland yeah so I, I just left lao which is like relatively close to 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 where it all started and um, um, I check up on the bike because Singapore was about to close down their borders. So I check up where the bike is and the bike left like three days before actually Singapore kind of went in lockdown. And then I couldn't, like I needed to reschedule my flight also because I wanted to visit Singapore for a couple of days and then go to Australia. And uh, luckily I could reroute the flight, like have a direct flight to Brisbane. And then I arrived in Brisbane and... Uh, so I arrived in Brisbane, and I think two or three weeks later, uh, three weeks later, they closed the borders in Australia because I arrived in Sydney. So I kind of went from Brisbane to Sydney in two weeks because uh, I was meeting up with some friends. And um, I stayed a couple of days in Sydney and the whole hostel is just empty. Like everybody started going out of the hostel. I picked wow. up like a whole luggage system uh, like a luggage but food there was a wetsuit in there there was a six pack of beer in there like it was just everybody was just ditching the hostels and going home and there was so much free stuff to grab i was like this is it this is, this is living <laughs> if only i wasn't on a motorbike yeah, to yeah. travel around with yeah <laughs> so, so i i grabbed all that stuff and um 
uh well then too like it got also difficult for me because then um uh i tried to get a job in, in sydney but all the agents they were like all the agencies were starting to work from home or they were just closed and they're like oh yeah send us an email with your resume and then um all like the the construction sites they were all closed temporarily closed down or, or closed till further notice Shit. So, so are you stressing yeah i was like oh i'm not gonna find a job in sydney like this this because i wanted to do a bit of construction and maybe some rope access yeah uh, and it just got too difficult so i just was like oh fuck this i'm going to the blue mountains so i w was rock climbing there for a couple of weeks uh or or, or like maybe two weeks and this whole time you, like when you went out are you just camping yeah or like we had a couple of free free camp spots in the bush so i kind of knew like yeah. to, so i went in the weekends with my mates and then i just traveled a bit around and then um yeah i was like desperate to try to find a job so i just kind of had a look online and i f my first job i found was on a horse stud just doing maintenance but it was an absolutely rip-off like they said oh because of covid we can't pay you money um, but we'll give you $150 for food and and free accommodation. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's not too bad. But I ended up working 12 hours a day from 6 to 6 for five, uh, six days a week for $150. No yeah. way. Yeah. So after a week and a half, I uh, I searched for a different job. And I said, like, look, I, I just can't work here. There's, I didn't say it was a ripoff because they were actually really friendly people. But it just... Like, oh, that's 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 slavery, you, you, yeah. You know? That's like, uh, you know, like not, yeah, it's like six days a week from six till you six, maybe is like, like push bad. it to like two to four hours a day exactly, or something, yeah. and be like, oh, sorry, you yeah. know. And yeah. then, even $150 a week for food and like a couple of beers, it, it, it doesn't even like get you around, it's you know. Australia. So, um, I am, I am. I kept on searching for a job and then I found a job in Jervis Bay, which is actually really nice. It's like a really nice area south of south of Sydney. They claim, oh, cheers. Yeah, here's a gin and uh, local local yeah. lemonade. Oh, looks really good. Made. Yeah, that looks really good. I'll have a sip of that. Mm. That's nice, eh? Isn't it, it is. Off-grid living. Yeah. Well, that's pretty comfy living. Oh. Um so yeah, so I stayed at Jer uh, Jervis Bay and I was doing maintenance on holiday, like holiday houses, because no, they couldn't, like the owners weren't allowed to rent out the houses, so I could stay in like Bayview uh, holiday house at Jervis Bay with the widest sand of Australia, they claim, and like it was unreal. I stayed there for a month and a half, just renovating like the the holiday resorts, sleeping oh. in like a luxurious thing that I would would never be able to pay. <laughs> Brilliant. So that was that was good. And on top of that, the owner she is actually a really good cook, and she was cooking every evening for us, and we had lots of laughs. And we were three people, and some some evenings we had two two bottles of wine, and then the next day we were working a bit. So um, yeah, it was actually really good. And then we, on top of that, we got a little bit of money for it also. So yeah, what, what have you realized about traveling that it always works out? Like, have you realized that's my, that yet? Yeah, that's that's probably my whole life that I think it'll be fine. Because, you know, you're you're in, in primary school, you're in high school, and then you've got people saying, oh, you need to start studying and you need to get your job and then you need to be able to save money for your house and for your car. And like the first, the first few things that people say that to you, you believe it, mm. and then you get like, um, or oh, you need to study because otherwise you won't make it. And then um, you get older, and then you achieve actually goals on your own, and you're like, 
fuck this. Like, I don't need nobody to say what I have to do. If I want this and I keep on, like, pushing myself or, like, persistence is key, like they say, I can make it, you know? Uh, okay, I haven't got a house now, but I've got, I've, I'm so much richer than other people who've got a little house and their little family and think they're, like, living it, you know? Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're spirit rich because you're, yeah. you're, you're experiencing what yeah. we're put here for. Yeah, and exactly. that is yeah. to have a human experience to yeah. go, you know, to connect with yourself, with nature, with other people. You know what I mean? And it's just like this is my view. This is why I kind of live like this because yeah, I'm like, you know what? This story, it's not my story. This conditioning, it's not my conditioning. Yeah, okay, yes, it was my conditioning, but this is what I'm breaking. What I realize is not my story. It's just like, you know what? I'm not here to like go. I'm just not here to do that. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm here. Like what I wanted to do in life is I want to experience everything. I want to feel sure, what it is yeah. to feel. Like yeah. I, like to I want to feel what it is to do to do it to, to be alive. To be yeah, alive. Yeah. yeah. It's like I, I want a taste of everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, why would I not give myself that? That's right. Yeah. You know, it's just step, like step out of that comfort zone. Like stop scrolling on Instagram. How good other people's life is and experience it yourself mm. uh, you know i've had the worst time also while traveling my fl my tent got flooded like 15 centimeters of water it was like flowing over my tent uh, with the floods no yeah. no i was actually in, in western australia exmouth i was just wild camping and i set up on a bit of a bad spot and the whole valley like on top of me was kind of flowing through the channel i was sitting in and I got like completely rained out and in the middle of the night I was moving my tent I ended up setting it up on like a slope like it was so crooked that I ended up having my backpack and my knee protectors under my sleeping mattress to level it out and stuff it was terrible but afterwards it's like oh this is a crazy experience and like the day after you're so grateful mm. to have a good night of, night of sleep and you st appreciate the small things mm. but life's no fun it life gets pretty boring if you're just always comfortable e yeah. even to the fact of science with your own dopamine if you're just so comfortable with everything it's just like your base level of dopamine it just sits there it doesn't True. you need to like put yourself out of your comfort zone take luxuries out yeah luxuries out so then you can feel appreciation for those things just for your own biological biochemistry of dopamine or yeah. whatever the, the 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 wording would be for that yeah. but it's just like it's like that's what i'd love about getting out and doing it is because it's like it's like sailing it's like well it's like anything in life you've got to work for your dream you've True. got to work for the goal yeah you know yeah. what i mean it's just like life has speed bumps and you actually actually have to put in the effort to achieve the goal so it's like when like when those things happen that suck and everything, it makes those magical moments of ecstasy even more brilliant because True, you had to yeah. go through everything to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, so, you know, I, I want to get into some stories of, um, of, you know, obviously you've done this like psycho trip, like you've ridden a bike from Belgium, but you've gone through all these like psycho countries like you went yeah. through pakistan man yeah, like you went yeah. through india but that's funny that you say that because lots of people are like pakistan that must be dangerous and it, i felt i never felt so safe in in, in uh, everywhere in the world or maybe australia but pakistan was one of the most 
like hospitable people ever. It's unreal. Did you? Yeah. Were you camping there? Were you staying in like um, homestays? Because hotels and homestays are, are so cheap, and mm. then it's it's really nice to stay at the locals. Plus, also you just support them. Mm. You know, like I, we we did wild camp also. But if you're in like a little valley and you see a homestead and it's like three dollars, you're like, oh, you might as well just support the local uh, like community and whatever the local uh, people. And you get really nice food, and you you talk with them because in 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 Pakistan, lots of people they speak pretty good English because mm. it used to be, you know, from the English English people they used to have a foot in there. So so, so where have you been most nervous? Uh, the, it's probably the border between Turkey and Iran because I I smuggled my motorbike into Iran. <laughs> what? Why? Like it, I, I illegally imported the motorbike. So are you supposed to pay an import tax if you No, so my so and at, at the time I was there uh foreign motorbikes were actually not allowed in in Iran because you, so you know Iran has lots of sanctions like the the, the United States they sanction Iran because they did a couple of bad things back in the days uh and or like human rights stuff mm. so um the states or just worldwide they're sanctioning Iran um that for example ATMs don't work in like foreign bank accounts or credit cards they don't work in iran uh and lots of other things like they can't import modern things so a lot of cars are like so old and is that kind of like cuba yeah exactly the same exactly the same yeah so So you don't uh, play the game with the united states yeah it's exactly the same but then iran like wanted to have a bit of a like an anti or like a like a fight back so they were just um, banning every tourist with a motorbike because they're like, oh, if we can't have modern cars in our country, tourists are not allowed to come into our country. So if you had a motorbike smaller than 250cc, you could import it or you could you could get it through. Uh, but my bike was 600, so I couldn't get it through. But I really desperately wanted to go into the country because I heard a story of a, of a woman who kind of went through on like a dodgy... She just claimed that she didn't know how big the bike was, and for some reason she got through. Uh, but it was kind of before it all got mad. You wouldn't think that's a country you want to fuck with. Well, yeah. In hindsight, you know I'm not I mean? sure if I would have done it again because I would, for sure, I would have landed in jail. Um, but um, so w- what I did, I, uh, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna try it because I was meeting my my girlfriend at the time in Iran, and I couldn't really afford to go around, and then I need to leave the bike in Turkey and then fly to Iran and whatever. So it would have been such a mission. So I was like, oh, I'll just give it a go. So I had a look at my papers and my, so normally like you, your engine size, they, they call it like CC content. Mm. And on my papers, it wasn't written on there. It only uh, was written in kilowatt, which is like the, the horsepower or like the, 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 the power that the bike generates. So I am um, on, on the motorbike itself. There's lots of signs like, like Honda trans up 600 and then on the engine block it's like embossed in the in the engine block so what I did I, I went through like a bit of a mud puddle and I just threw mud on the bike and made it really dirty so I covered up all the signs saying 600 and like the imprinted embossed like uh, numbers in the engine block and then I went to the border and I went to the Turkish border and they look at the bike and they're like oh no, no, sir, yeah, you, you won't be able to go to Iran. Like, you did not allow foreign motorbikes. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an old bike. It's a 250cc. It'll be fine. So I go to the Iran- uh, to the Turkish border and they, like, you know, like when you leave the country, they're like, yeah, stamp, it. stamp it. So I was kind of no man's land between Turkey and Iran. 
and it's like a, a kilometer or half a kilometer that you drive from gate to gate and it's like heavy machine heavy armed people you get nervous yeah i was getting a little bit nervous and it was like 40 something degrees so i was sweating already in my suit <laughs> and i go to the iranian border and it's like shut the gate is locked and there's like a couple of soldiers standing there and just waiting and i like wave to them and they they just kind of ignore me uh and then suddenly they open up the gate so i go to the gate and then there was a there was a, some kind of a boom so i needed to wait at the boom and i saw that like a security camera and i just parked it like on the left side that they couldn't see me so i park it kind of in the shade but also kind of out of the view of the of the camera and uh jump off the bike go in the offices with uh with my papers nobody speaks english so I'm like fuck. Oh yeah, that that's another thing. So I on, I on purposely chose the most southern border close to Syria. So between Turkey and Iran because I that that was known for being a really hectic and chaotic border and they were, they were not aware of a lot of tourists. So I was like I'll just try the most remote border and see. Like I'll just yeah, try my luck. So I go there, nobody speaks English. And there's some kind of a runner or like a guy who wanted to help me and he's trying to point me to the right guy and um i go to one guy and he looks at the papers and he he looks like he's asks like cc cc i'm like oh what yeah yeah no it's 250 cc yeah yeah and they look at me and like nah no nah. i'm like yeah two cylinder 98 old bike looks big small engine you know like trying mm. trying to sell the story and I go to a second guy like or they kind of guide me to a second guy and he doesn't buy it either or, or like we were lost in translation also because we didn't know what he was saying. I didn't know what I like. He didn't know what I was saying, and 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 vice versa. So it got all a bit hectic, and um, um, yeah, they're still looking for the CCs on the papers, like the content. So we go outside, and the guy is like lost because he he's like oh, I don't know what to do. So he goes back inside of the of the border and he gets like the chief out. So the chief is like the only guy who has a little bit of a of a of a suit on, which is probably which wasn't washed for for three weeks anyway. <laughs> so he comes out of his office and like, looks at the bike, and uh, looks around, like takes the papers, like writes down CC question mark more engine size. I'm like oh. Yeah, yeah, 250cc. I say this uh, uh, 47 kilowatt, different unit, but same as cc, you know, like like yeah. a unit conversion. And he looks at me, he's like, nah, mate, he's like, like he didn't buy it. And he goes around the motorbike, he goes on his knees and starts scratching off a bit of mud. And, and at that stage, I started to like really like freak out a little bit inside. But it was just yeah, staying calm and like pretend that everything is fine because I didn't do anything wrong actually. I was just kind of you know. Uh, well, you're trying it, but yeah, yeah, well, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I um, he goes around and he asks it again, like oh, engine size, engine size, and I say yeah, 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 just like pretending that I don't speak too good English and stuff, you know, like all like a bit, like, a bit of confusing and just keep on smiling and like be friendly. Because you don't want to make them annoyed with you either, you know? Yeah. You kind of need to just say whatever you have to say, but also not being a douche and trying to like... Mm. So you kind of need to smile. It's like, yeah, good. Yeah, my motorbike, yeah, Belgium, Iran. And like, like really, like, yeah. I love your country. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. your country. Yeah. No, for real. Because yeah. it, it works. Like, smiling brings you everywhere. And um, he looks at my license plate or at the papers and he's like, where are you from? Um... And like I'm from Belgium, 
and he's like, yeah, Belgium. And he's like, Belgium, Belgia, oh, Belgia. And he suddenly is like, oh, Belgia, yeah, yeah, yeah. He shakes my hand. He gra- So at that point before it was getting like pretty, like ner- they, they, we felt a bit of tension. So, so when he reads that I'm from Belgium, suddenly it all changed and he starts smiling, grabs my hand and he's like, Belgium, yeah. Oh, Mark Wilmots, Mark Wilmots. Who's uh, that? Soccer yeah, player. I don't know. Yeah, well, there you go. So I didn't know who that was. I, I knew who he was, but at that time I was like, yeah, Mark Wilmots, whatever. Yeah, Mark Wilmots. I like <laughs> shake his hand. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly I realized he is the national coach of our team, or he used to be. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, Mark Wilmots. Yeah, yeah, good guy. And then he's like, yeah, Mark Wilmots, Fellani, Lukaku. And he was like naming all the, the Belgian football players of our national team. And I still didn't get it at all. And as it, and then he kept on talking about it. Oh, yeah, Mark Wilmots, good for us, this and that. And then I realized that he is actually transferred to the Iranian national team and he's now coaching the Iranian national team. Oh my team. God. So he's suddenly he got so, like he was getting a little bit annoyed up front because he couldn't get any information from me. And um, then he got so friendly. He grabs the documents out of the guy next to me who was like a custom clearance officer, grabs the documents, flips open the page where he needs to sign puts his big fat sign of the chief on there and I see it all happening and I'm just like all right this is just a normal signature like uh, shouldn't be too excited I'm like oh yeah thank you so he gives that to me gives me another handshake or like even a hug because in that country like in Iran they actually give lots of hugs to men and he's like yeah good this that have a good day and I see that and I just pretend that nothing is happening or that it's all like going as planned but I still needed to get two other signatures. Like one was custom clearance, the other one was uh, some kind of import-export, and the other one, yeah, I don't know exactly, but like three three uh, signatures. So what I do, I, I, I unfold the papers and like with the with the chief signature on top, I give it to the to the to the next officer, and he sees it. Oh, the chief signed. I'll sign here. I go to the third one. I, gives another signature and I see it all happening and I'm like holy shit yeah showing that the chief is signed yeah exactly and just fold those documents put them in my backpack and just drive through the border and I kept on driving until I was far away from the from the border and then I just but then once you're inside weren't you shitting yourself about like cops seeing such a big bike and then being yeah. like I wanted money or be like oh how'd this get in did you have any problems with uh, that well yeah so I, I was really concerned about that in the beginning because I was so scared actually indeed like seeing like officials and stuff. But then actually uh, after a couple of days I realized that no <clears throat> single officer had a clue that actually my bike was not allowed because it's a custom clearance thing. It's a border patrol thing. Yeah. So there's like officers coming to me and they're like so happy and taking pictures and like offering me like a, like a bottle of water and some tea. I'm like, oh. Yeah, the police hasn't got a single clue what's going on. Because they're just the police. They don't give a fuck if your motorbike is imported or not. Fuck, as I'm just like picturing like this, and then I'm thinking like, because like I lived in Indonesia for years, yeah. and I'm thinking, and I'm just thinking like, whoa, it'd be so different if you're, you're in Indonesia to be like, they'll just be, they run out in the middle of the road when they see that you're white and like try and stop you. And yeah. they're just like, they yeah. get so annoyed when, because I always have all my papers and I used to have an Indonesian license. Yeah. They get so angry because it's like they see a white guy on a motorbike and they go, yes. 
money. And they go oh, up and like stop yeah. you, jump yeah. in front of you. Yeah. Like you'd, I just try and ride off as much as I could yeah, on them. Yeah. But uh, if you couldn't, I'd stop you. Then I'd try and grab your key. They'd try to do anything and just want money. And when you pull out all the right papers, they'd get so angry because you've got everything. And then mm. in their mind, they've already like put this like expectation that they're about to make money. Yeah. That's and suddenly right. they're not. Yeah. They get disappointed, so they get angry. Yeah. Did you did you have like many oh, corrupt nice cops? Breeze. Um, actually, not too many, because because once again, if you keep on smiling and if you do, if you're not a douche against them, it's actually not too bad. So I, even I, out of like like all that, even India. Yeah, well, in Kyrgyzstan, I had I had a corrupt cop, and he he held held me up, and he said I was speeding. And I said like, dude, I'm just behind that car, and like I'm driving the same speed as that car. So in, in all those countries, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, you you could you can get away with a bit of Russian from the Soviet era. So I could speak a little bit of Russian. So I'm like me, my car, this car, same same. Like yeah, it's, it's normal. So I was like trying to explain it in really basic Russian, and um, uh, he was like, "No, you were speeding. You were speeding too fast. Too you fast." You sound like how? How do you know? And I said, like, me, mo- like, me, motorbike, and I showed, like, with my hands, same speed, you know, like, like same, same. And I, like, tried to explain it to the guy, and he's like, no, no. And I'm like, oh, and I keep on smiling, and like, no, it, like, it's a joke, right? And I keep, like, tapping him on his shoulder, and like, oh, yeah, Kyrgyzstan is good. No, no speeding, you know, like, motorbike, slow motorbike, you know, just talking bullshit. And keep on smiling, and then they kind of get bored of you because they're like, "Oh no, I'm not gonna get it. I'm mm. not gonna get money from that guy." And luckily, it was only him, so it's not like with a group. It's probably different, different because they 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 uh, grab your keys. They... they could grab your keys, but also they come really close to you, and they kind of um, I don't know the English word, but they kind of uh, want they want to like show dominance and yeah. like they would come really close park their car in front of you park their car behind you intimidate, you know like yeah. intimidate that's it he was alone so pr- he just got bored of the conversation that i didn't understand mm. anything i sounded like a lunatic do you, do you know they, like too, did they ask you for your license and papers like what yeah. type of license do you have so to- i've got an international li- driving license and a normal one but I always give a copy first. Yeah. And if they ask for the real one, I just show it and I say, Yeah, no, you no, no, never I let them it. have it. Yep. It's like Indonesia. The, the amount of times like I got like nah, like here it is, you can see it. Yep. And they're like, give it here and you're like, nah, you can yeah. see it. And I've had them yeah. like try grab it. Yeah, yeah. But I've yeah. had them before and I've learned this because it's like, hey, where's your license? You hand it and then they just won't give it back to you. Yeah, it's crazy. Until you yeah. give them money and you're like, yeah. <laughs> like mm. there was like in Thailand I got pulled over and he did that. And he said, if I want my license back, I've got to go pay this fine at the, um, at like the police hut around the corner. He goes, yeah, yeah. Like, this is your fine, like blah, blah. You got to go and then you'll get your license back. Yeah. And he goes, go pay it and then come back here and I'll give you your license back. And I went, okay, sweet. I'll go pay. And I was like, oh, this guy's smart. He's not taking bribes in the middle of the street. He's making you go yeah. to his mates, get a pay, then get a yeah. ticket, like, have a receipt and then come back yeah, and he'll give yeah. you a shit. I'm like, oh, these, they you get know, smart for they sure. Get, yeah, smart. Yeah. And I went, yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. And I drove off and thought about, and I, and I just went, oh, that's an old license, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, cause yeah. I, that's one thing that I do. Like even right now, I've got three old licenses. Oh yeah. Cards. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah expired. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. um, yeah. And so I'll just yeah. take that one. I won't take my like freshie yeah. that I just, you know, got for the next that's right. few years. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so in India and stuff, and um, in Pakistan, I was actually not concerned at all because they've got a really, 
they've got a really sensitive reputation of the terrorism, the terrorism from back in the days. So all the police and the officials actually do a really, really good job trying to make make it the best trip possible. So mm. all the police officers and and like roadblocks and whatever, they're like really like oh how are you and like is everything is safe and no tourists like we we cleared all the tourists and they're like really trying like super hard to give you the best time possible, but then in India there were a couple of roadblocks and I just like you I slow down a little bit and then and I'm about to be at the roadblock I just drive through and I keep on smiling and waving and you keep on waving when you're like driving away. And then you hope you, they don't follow you, and that's I think the safest way. Because indeed, like you said, there's so many bribes and mm. and corrupt cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- like going ahead, are you having to get visas? Like because mm. like India, you have to apply for a visa. Yeah, like, I applied for that one in Kyrgyzstan. So because um, you can't, re- oh, you can apply for it in Pakistan, the country before, but it's pretty difficult. So in, in general, I just apply for the visa at one or two countries before. So like on your like you're you're looking ahead of like what you're potentially gonna do and you're just googling, just researching yeah. what you need. Yeah, these days like you've got so much resources online and so many websites of people who've done it before. You always think you're the first one and then you start searching online and you realize Yeah, like, so many people have done it before. Or or like some sections of your trip, you know? Yeah. So um it's 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 fairly easy these days and, and it's getting even more easy now. You get all e-visas like online, you can apply for them. Because when I started this trip, I needed to have uh, the Pakistani visa. I could only apply for it in my country of residence. But I wouldn't oh. arrive there be- before. Um, I wouldn't arrive there the first... Uh, no, I would have been traveling already for six months, six months before I would enter Pakistan. So I needed to apply for... Um, some kind of uh, extended visa and why I only want to have it like valid for like within six months and for up to a year or something you know so you need to write a letter with the whole explanation of your trip and why you're doing that and like you need to ask for an exception that they would grant you the visa actually only four months later because normally they grant you the visa as soon as you apply for it you know mm. Um, so that was all like kind of tricky, but now you can just apply for an electronic visa like two weeks before or whatever yeah. in a different country. Yeah, it's funny. Like it's like um, Henry Bryden from We Are Explorers, and then Ben Southall from um, Best Life Adve- Expeditions or Adventures. They, you know, he did one did a bike ride, the other one drove his Land Rover, and they both they both of them are said like they, they felt super safe in those countries like in the Middle Eastern countries yeah. and everything they felt super safe so much hos- um, hospitality Henry had this weird story about a guy trying to have sex with him and locked him in a room but other than that like you know what I mean like he said um, yeah. like super safe and same I had a mate he busked like he 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 was busking they got a va- in a van and they went across like Iran and Iraq and were busking to make money across the Middle East and he yeah, said it was right. just the most brilliant trip yeah. So it's like out of all this, like was it just was it just smooth sailing? Oh no, like like um, there's definitely some some proper hiccups that went along the roads. Um, yeah, so so that Iranian border crossing was pretty pretty stressful, probably one of the most stressful times in my, in my life. And then there's an, in Tajik in in Tajikistan, yeah, we almost had a guy who who kind of died. 
Put on on our trip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that, okay, cool. Just slip that one in. Yeah. yeah no, we, we had a guy who almost died, but yeah. And then, and then. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it a little bit yeah, later. Break if you this like. one down. No, no, do it. So, now. Um, so he, he, his name is Frederick, and he's a German guy, 73 at that time. And he traveled already before from, I think, Germany to Russia. And, um, he uh, so he, he he did some travels before and he was on his motorbike also and i i wanted to do the barton valley which is like a f um premier highway is like a really famous highway in, in tajikistan but barton valley is some kind of a side valley which is way more notorious and like prone for landslides and avalanches and flooded rivers and you name it and there's there's almost no people living in there only the first 60 kilometers there's a couple of people living and then after that it's about 350 kilometers of just dirt track and uh, no reception no people living there really slow going and are you, are you, is it cold oh it's not too cold because it was in summer but yeah. at night it gets cold because you, you drive up all the way to four four thousand one hundred meters oh, and then you yeah. need to go back down so it's kind of a one-way go like you, you you can't really return because you run out of fuel and water oh, water is not too bad with food so, uh, so yeah, is, with this, with no people, there's is there places to get fuel along no, the way. Yeah, so the, the after sixty kilometers is the last village, and you can get a little bit of fuel there. So I just had a, had to fuel up, and then I had um, I think six liters extra fuel on the bike, food for about five days, and then I kind of started the journey. And the 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 day I started, uh, like a couple of days before, it was really rainy, and they had like a huge landslide. And the rivers were super high. So I started already the first day with like just the whole road was flooded because it was going next to the river. Uh, so I was driving for like such a long distance, like kilometers through a little bit of water and suddenly got like really deep, like that the whole wheel got submerged in the river. And in the beginning, it's super scary, but then you get more and more confident and you like just follow the track and hope it doesn't get too deep, the holes. Um, and then, yeah, so I survived the first day and it was actually yeah, really, really nice, but I only did maybe 80 or 90 kilometers, I think less, 60 or 70. So yeah, cause I just left, I was just after that town and, um, set up camp in the middle of nowhere and then I just enjoyed it. And then the second day there were more river crossings. Sometimes I had to remove the luggage and like carry it over and like wade through the water to see how it goes. Cause some rivers were that big that there's like boulders rolling. Maybe freezing water too. Yeah, like it's glacial all water. glacial water, like gray, bluish water from the glacier from the glaciers. Mm -hmm. So the key is go early in the morning because then there's less melting water. As soon as you go in the afternoon, the rivers they rise with about like ten centimeters or more because there's more snow melting. Mm. So if you go in the morning, it's still like it's still it's, after the freeze. Yeah. So you kind of go early in the morning and try to like wing it as far as you can. So the second day, got, got through a couple of river crossings. There's still a couple of farmers like living a little bit there, but then in the afternoon there was nobody anymore. And um, um, uh, I keep on driving, and then in the I think late afternoon I meet up with a with a Mexican guy. He was called. Did, did you know they were on the trek? No, I didn't know anything. That's so, the first tourist. So you just suddenly come across someone. Yeah. So Roberto on a motorbike on a KTM, and then you had Frederick who was on a SWM, like a like a lighter bike, 
a little bit dodgy. Were they traveling together or also just ran well, into each other? Well, not really, yeah. So they ran into each other because he was 73, the guy. And um, Robert, Roberto, the, the, the Mexican guy, he actually flew from the States because he ended up living in the States. He flew to, to, to Central Asia to specifically do Barton Valley on the bike because he read somewhere about it and he was so keen to do it. And then he met up with Frederick, which is 73, like a little bit like limp. And uh, yeah, needed a little bit of maintenance, that guy. And they were ready for two days or three days on that trek. And I just started, like I was only a day and a half. And then I, I, I called up with them. Yeah. And so Frederick and, and Roberto asked, oh, do you want to go with us? Because, uh, yeah, I'm a bit slow going, like the older guy. Like, yeah, no worries. Yeah, we'll just travel together. Like, it is a bit of a dangerous valley. And, like, it's good to do river crossings with two people anyway. Because, yeah, we all, we're all fully loaded. So, it's pretty slow going the second day. Like, the, the afternoon of the second day. And in the evening, we set up camp and have a yawn and, like, talk and, like, catch up with everybody. And, like, yeah. Like, what's the scenery you're looking at? Um, that, that we're already at more than 3000 meters. So there's barely trees. Um, it's pretty rocky and gray and uh, there's lots of colors in the rocks, but I mean, it's, it's not a lot of vegetation. So you're just around mountains. Is it just yeah, like big steep, peaks? steep mountains and you look left and right. You see all 7,000 meter peaks and stuff, Whoa. all uh, ice capped and glaciers. And it's just pretty, it's probably the roughest terrain I've seen in my life. Really? Yeah, it's like really because it, they're all really narrow, uh, narrow and like rocky valleys. So it's super steep. The valleys, deep, deep, deep rivers that go next to the river or or just the road which is next to the river. Would that be considered part of the Himalayan? That's mountain well, range? It, it, it the Himalayas joins with the Karakoram and what's oh, the okay. other one? Um, in Tajikistan, it's called Pam, the Pamir Range. Yeah. So they all join somewhere in Pakistan. And there's another one, um, I think, Baltistan. Anyway, so they kind of merge all. So it's not yet the Himalayas. Wow. Um, so th those mountains th or that range. Um, uh, yeah, so so in the evening we um, we set up camp and then we have a talk. And then suddenly Frederick says like, oh, yeah, by the way, I've got a bit of a heart condition. Like when my heart kind of like stops beating, give me a big whack on the back and then it sh kind of shoot kind of go on again and we're like what did you just say yeah yeah i've had it before it's, it's normal i'm taking pills for it so and so he is he saying this because he felt that his heart was starting to get no like, he just said that really casual like like with no with no concern he said that oh yeah guys just by the way yeah so i oh, just by the I've way got a bit heart of a heart condition <laughs> yeah just give me a good whack on the back and i should be fine and we're like dude that's not something like you should like t say so casual. He's like, no, it's fine. I'm taking pills for it. And we're like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like maybe he's exaggerating a little bit. And um, the third day we start we start riding and it gets more and more steep and like rougher. So um, uh, we go up like steep kind of hill climb things and through rivers. And um, um, we ended up that day at like a altiplano, like a really high platform at uh, just just shy of four thousand meters. I think three thousand eight hundred, something like that. Uh, so we yeah, we get we have a bit of altitude and we set yeah, thinner up, air. Yeah, so we set up. Yeah, it's already, you can already hear it. No, I'm coming. getting nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we set up camp, unreal spot. I'll show you the pictures later. Like 
the whole plain. There's there's a bit of vegetation there because it kind of keeps so the like water a, a bit. Kind of thing. Yeah, like a plateau, only like little bushes, and then you've got like huge mountains, oh, and then fuck, that'd be mad glaciers, cool. and and that was actually a really wide section, really open. So it was just unreal. And to so have... you get good weather, like clear skies. Yeah, and stuff. we we were so lucky with the weather, uh, no rain and stuff. So we set up camp, and it's actually really nice. And um, we. Um, yeah, we in the morning we all wake up and pack our tents, and Frederick is like, "Oh, I'm feeling a bit weird today, like my heart is like really like beating intense and like I'm short of breath and stuff." And we're like, "Oh, just just sit down and, and we'll have a bit of a relax," because uh, it was getting really hot. Like at night, it gets really cold, and during the day, if there's no wind, you've been on high mountains, mm. right? It gets really hot during the day if there's mm. no wind. So um, it was in the morning and already super hot and he was struggling or we all were kind of struggling a little bit like packing our stuff. So he got really bad and he said, oh, my my heart, like it's 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 kind of hurting. I, I really have to like lay down. So we, we kind of roll open his tent just like the tarp and he lays on there like in the shade of his bike because we didn't have shade. Like there were no trees. So he lays like kind of in the shade of his own bike and... um uh, He's like laying on his back and we give him a bit of water and he starts feeling his own heartbeat. And he's like, oh, oh, oh my, my heart is like going 60 beats per minute. Oh, no, it's going like 120. Oh, it's going 60 again. Oh, 120 again. Like it was just fluctuating, going like like really hard or maybe, maybe even more than 120. And then it was going like half the, the beats and like really slow and he was like dizzy and stuff. They were like, dude, that's not good. And we didn't really know what it was, but it, like, he's like, oh, fuck, I'm, like, I feel really bad. And we're like, shit, that's like not good. And are, like, you, are, you, are you traveling with a sat phone? Yeah, so, or we like... bought, yeah, so Roberto, he had a Garmin, like a, mm, a, like an InReach. InReach, and I had a Spot, which is like the, 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 the other brand. So we were like contemplating about it, like, oh, what, what shall we do? Like, shall we press a button? But we're like, we're three days away from civilization nobody's going to come and rescue us like those devices are nice but i've like the more i've been traveling the more i think about how useless they are in the moment literally you're so far away even if you press the button and they know where you are how are they how are they coming to you so you've got you've got maybe a car like a four by four or donkeys there's a there's a i thought that was you (laughs) (laughs) frogs again yeah there's a frog in a in my downpipes i'm like yeah uh, yeah 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 so who is gonna come there's no bloody helicopters in tajikistan there is but it's gonna be really expensive or far away or not in those valleys because the closest city like decent city where they maybe had a helicopter was probably five or like hundreds of kilometers away like really far away and the helicopter can't really fly over the mountains because it's seven thousand meters high you know they kind of have to follow the valleys and stuff so it would be like such a skits mission to try to even evacuate us like within two or three days. So Holy we were shit. just like, all right, we're kind of stuck here. We can't go back because we haven't got enough fuel and food. We were already the four, third or fourth day in. Well, I, no, I was the third day and they were the fifth day and that's it. So we're like, oh, we can't go back. Um, we only have to go forward, but we needed to cross a mountain pass of 4,000 one hundred and something meters. Did, had you had you thought at this stage like maybe the altitudes affected him? Yeah. So we we thought it's a combination of altitude sickness together with his heart and whatever. And plus he's and, pushing and himself he's... way too hard. Yeah. yeah. So we were like, mm. 
So we we were freaking out. He was freaking out. Actually, he was surprisingly chill. Okay. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I'll just I just lay down here and and I'll be fine." And we're like, "Oh, dude, Frederick." Because <laughs> he was so unprepared. You have to know. He went onto that valley. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I'll go with you guys if you don't mind." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, come with us." Second day that we're in or the, the day that I met with them. So that was like the third day. Roberto says to me, Oh, Frederick, he, he had two loaves of, loaves of bread, but one got moldy. So actually, he only's got one loaf of bread for the whole trip. And luckily, Frederick and Roberto and I, we had heaps of food like canned tuna, veggies, uh, uh, thanks, um, like noodles, extra. Like we had a lot of stuff, dried, like sausages and, and hard cheese. And he just ended up eating with us. So and he, he just didn't do the... Um, he took it for granted so hard in the beginning. He's a good guy, but he's like, oh, yeah, I'll just have dinner with you guys. And in the evening, we make like dinner. And he's like, oh, th- oh yeah, yeah. And he did he, like, he, like barely said thank you and stuff. It was really weird. But um, so that that's one thing. Oh, yeah. Then his motorbike actually subframe broke in the middle of the, the bush. So luckily we could like dodgy a pin in and then have some metal wire around and zip ties and duct tape and then i fixed his bike and he could go through because he didn't have tools and roberto was not at all mechanically minded so luckily we could fix his bike then the bloody heart thing starts that's like the day after so we're like all right just lay down and we're like fuck frederick uh, frog roberto i don't want to have it like a, a death on my hands you know like what are we gonna do and Roberto is like, yeah, I don't know, man, I don't know. And he's like in a little bit of Spanish-Mexican accent, like, I don't know, man. Do you, yeah, I don't know what to do, you know. Do you think Frederick, because um, what did you say? Did you say he was Russian? No, he's German. German, yeah, 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 German. So do you think in his like old, stubborn way, he just didn't want to be a pain either? He's just like, so he's a bit naive, but yeah. then he kind of didn't really want to say like... He, he was a skipper, so they're probably pretty like stubborn and like, you know, like... like rough people anyway like he used to be a skipper so yeah, i guess yeah, yeah. he's pretty like pretty hard and but also he didn't realize like the danger that he put us in so we're like oh fuck this is bad and then for some miracle it kind of eased off and he's like oh it's actually getting a little bit better i think he's like yeah yeah i'm, I'm starting to feel better i'm like all right we'll just take it really easy like just like we we rested a bit more gave him a bit of food and water because even for you guys now like you're at 4000 meters or near above so like you're it's even hard for you guys to move around to yeah. do things you we know were, yeah, we were put every, we were pushing everybody's limit like my motorbike was struggling because it's a bloody old horse from yeah. 98 and not getting as much air in there exactly, as normally would yeah. to burn the fuel exactly so we go up and we go over the mountain pass and he's like oh yeah I'm feeling good and we're like oh that's nice so we go back down and we go to Karakul, which is a lake, which is also like it's barely any lower, still 3,000, oh, maybe 900 meters or could be actually 4,000. So we sleep there and um, we suddenly met a, a Dutch couple and we just ended up all staying at the lake and had a couple of beers and Frederick is like, oh, I'll get the beer myself. But yeah. the, the, the the Dutch couple, how were they traveling? They they took the Pamir Highway, which is like the... the the main highway but it's not a highway it's like the roughest road you can imagine they took that one and we took the the Barting Valley Road which oh, is like a track. were they on motos? they too? were on motorbikes yeah. too and uh, Frederick is like oh yeah we celebrated we made it I'll, I'll get a beer myself because we kind of we found after five days the first little shack where you could buy some food 
and we were like oh frederick i don't know if it's a good idea that you drink alcohol we're still like really high and we still needed to cross the border between tajikistan to go to kyrgyzstan and that's if i remember well 4500 meters so it's even more so we're like oh i, I think you, you shouldn't drink alcohol and actually you should like stay another night here and like recover and rest and then he's like oh yeah i think that that's a that's a good idea yeah yeah so we were also just we were sick of him kind of because we he was he took it so for granted that we were taking care of him like we said it like dude frederick we you, you can't do this you can't put this responsibility on us without asking our permission and saying that you have a bloody heart disease after the second day you, you, you don't yeah you know yeah. what i mean like we were like you you have to go to a doctor as soon as you can and then then we'll talk so we were like yeah like you take a day of rest and then you drive to the hospital which was really far actually it was in kyrgyzstan mm. and uh so we we split split up and then when he when we arrived in kyrgyzstan in the city i forgot the name could be saritash maybe Anyway, we arrived there and then he gave us a call, guys, I made it, I'm all good, went to the hospital. It ended up being, so you've got your chambers in your heart and one part of his heart was actually having uncontrolled spasms and was just like pumping and then going really fast and not pumping blood at all. And like, just like, you know, like if you have, yeah. like, so it was just going like up and down and all over the shop and he, yeah, so that's why he felt so weak and had probably low blood pressure or too high and like, cause he was all over the shop, you know? So because his, sometimes his heart was pumping a bit of blood and other times it was just pumping back and forth blood without doing anything kind of, you know, cause his, the chambers in his heart were not synchronized yeah, anymore. Yeah. So we're like, oh, phew. And he said, luckily, it was actually never really life-threatening. Uh, but because of the altitude and the, the whole circumstances, it could have been yeah, it could have been way worse. So that was all good. And then we said, Frederick, I think you own us a really good meal and, and free drinks for the night. And then he, he went to a nice restaurant and had the biggest steak and pizza and wine and beer and everything to celebrate it. Because, yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a rough one for sure whoa yeah. shit oh yeah imagine that, that there's so much to that too because there is like being not, like i've gone places like we're just up at yapoon me and me and my and shelby like my girlfriend we're like oh let's go camp out byfield and i had heard that byfield like you know it was a place that people go yeah so i didn't even think it, like i just thought oh, there'd be shop or restaurants or something out there and we drove out there and there is like there was like one little there's like one little like place that's like a little corner store cafe or kind of thing that's the only thing that was there but it was closed and it was closed for like two days yeah, and yeah. we drove out there like and I realized we had, we realized we had no food nothing's oh, open shit, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. we went yeah. out and camped and like yeah. we kind of made do but it's just like it's like wild like how naive you can be you know you're going into a wild place like if you're gonna like. Well, yeah, it's worth researching. Well, probably you, you, you're probably like in in those like really remote spots. You're probably more prepared, and and you've got like everything and like mm. a backup and this and that. And then I'm here in bloody Australia, and I just drive from this town to that town, and I realize there's no petrol in the middle, and like stranded. Yeah. In like a back road where there's no reception. Because you think you're in a like, yeah. first world country. Exactly, and you're like stranded 300 kilometers away from town. And you're like, oh. I didn't know the petrol station was closed. My map said there was a petrol station and it's like closed on a bloody Sunday afternoon or something, you know? Yeah. And like, oh, that's 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 a bit annoying. And then luckily there's still people on the road. 
But uh, oh, in the most convenient or the most straightforward things that you would be there, like there's no fuel yeah. or food. Yeah. Like I, I remember when I first drove across Australia over to WA, and I've done that drive like six or seven times, maybe. Yeah. And my uncle said to me the first time I did it was in an old Camry, and he said, "What did he? Okay, so what did we take as supplies? So yeah, we took a jerry can." Heaps of water. He said, yeah, you need sure. heaps yeah, of water. Yeah, yeah. He goes, because if you break down, you're in the desert and you need yeah. water, right? Sure, yeah. So water. And then we took a couple of Coke cans and some scissors and some duct tape, pepper. That was a few things. And the reason why the Coke can is like, if you bust a leak, like on one of yeah. your pipes, because it's so hot out there and everything, like if you crack a cooling pipe or like a, um, a pipe on your radiator, he's like, or anything, he's like, Cut the coke can around it, wrap it up, yeah, 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 fill it back up with water, and that'll help you get to another town. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It's just like, or like that'll help get you yeah. a bit. And bit then more. you can put the pepper in the radiator to seal holes. Yeah, if you yeah, get a yeah, yeah if you yeah, get a little yeah, yeah. like pinhole prick, yeah. put the pepper in. You yeah. know, it was like there was all these little tricks, but it was yeah. like that. But it was like have like at least twenty liters of water That's on right, it because yeah. if you you need to fill up your radiator, yeah. and he's like, um, and then spare tires. Mm. Make sure, man. When I was in WA. I popped so many tires, long drives on hot roads, yeah. and you just get eggs in your tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, constantly yeah. popping tires. Well, well, that that's a bit of a thing on a motorbike. Uh, you you can't you don't really have too many spare things. Like I only have maximum twelve liters of water, like on my normal setup, and then no spare tires, but just patch gear and uh, spare tubes. I do have spare inner tubes. Then do you have a pump? Yeah, I've got a pump and a patching gear, uh, like a bicycle pump. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, motorbike tires are more, they've got stronger regulations and, and requirements. So they are more safe than a car tire, that's for sure. A uh, bit of faulty tires, like cracks and stuff also that I was like, oh shit, that's bad. Imagine that happened um, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you go like through a lot of tires? Yeah. I, like a rear tire only lasts between five and 8,000 kilometers. So not, how much does it cost? Uh, around two hundred dollars. Shit. Yeah. So, so it's the, like, yeah, yeah. That's not much. Some oh yes, and well, you oh, not much kilometers. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. you're gonna have like enduro tires. That's eh? right. If you put a street tire on, it lasts for twenty thousand kilometers, but or something. But yeah, I've got like an off-road tire, like a proper off-road tire, and they only last yeah five. Sometimes only three, four thousand kilometers. Sometimes if you're lucky, twelve. Um, because you're on the road yeah right? and they range from like 150 to 250 dollars depending what you can get and where you are yeah. shit and how are you cooking before we get into that i need to go to the toilet oh yeah 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 <laughs> i gotta turn the cooker off yeah. okay so we're, we're back from a wee break so like this whole time like how are you cooking um i started way over prepared i had a jet boil so it's basically like um uh, like a cooking pot, which is kind of attached to the gas stove and the gas canister, and it all falls into the same pot. So could you fry anything? Yeah, well, like so I had that one, and then I had a little pot, like a little uh, like a little pot that goes on a petrol stove. Because so the, the most convenient way of cooking on remote countries is with petrol. So basically, it it's like a tube that goes through the stove itself, and then the petrol becomes gas, and then, then it actually just acts as a gas stove. So, are you tapping then fuel off your motorbike? That's right. Just yeah. off the the, the tank. The, I've, I've got like a little quick connector at yeah. the bottom of the tank. That's right. Yeah. And you just open it. Yeah. Yeah. And you fill up, and it's that red canister. Yeah. And you pump it up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's from MSR, and, and it's really yeah, good. Yeah. And it yeah. makes it, and it sounds like a jet taking off. Like it zzz, does. Yeah. When yeah. It cooks. Yeah. 
Yeah. So in the beginning, they're expensive man. They're they like are, six yeah. or seven hundred bucks. So the one I have is from my dad thirty years ago. My dad, he, my my parents, they did a. So my dad, he used to do a couple of guidings in in the Himalayas and stuff, and so he bought that stove about thirty years ago, and uh, I um I just started using it when I went to the Alps in 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 uh, in Europe, and then I put it on my trip, and f since now I've been cooking like hundreds of days on it and it's still yeah. going strong three like 30 years later do, do, yeah you, do you have like a little o-ring kit for it or whatever to never like replace never it? replace the o-ring and against every recommendations normally you need to like unscrew the pump thingy because that's in the petrol yeah and then you need to close the lid like put a normal lid on i've pr probably had the whole pump and the whole unit in the petrol for the last two years and no single crack or leak it's it's unreal Probably because it keeps it oiled, maybe. Yeah, but the petrol is kind of you could think it's bad for the for the plastic, and it could be mm. with a new one that's maybe not that sturdy or well made. But the one I have is just indestructible. It's unreal. Yeah, and yeah. Wow. Yeah, I suppose that yeah everything has that purpose. But if it's like it jet boils, you can't get like the little gas canisters in so many places yeah. around the world. But your one, all you got to do is get fuel. And don't they also you can use kerosene on that too? Yeah, you can use kind of everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, not yeah. Like petrol is good. Kerosene is, is probably better because it's a bit cleaner. And then what is it? White gas is even better, which is. Um, I don't know the name, but it's like purified petrol, and it it gives a bit, of, it gives less. Um, yeah, because they get smoky suit. those ones. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. yeah, that's what my mate uh, Eric. That was the episode was called fourteen thousand miles to Chile. Yeah. He was on a motorbike too. He was also cooking with yeah. that. But I was traveling with him in Mexico. We were in a car, me and my mate Brenty driving the west coast of Mex, and he was on his motor, and we're just camping, sleeping on beaches, mm. but we're just cooking. Um, yeah, off his motorbike, and it was just like we're just getting like this cheese in Mexico that like lasts for ages. You just buy it at the market; doesn't need to be refrigerated. Potatoes, some like yeah. um, tacos. We get like tuna cans or whatever. And we just buy, make like these like soft shell taco like wraps yeah, nice. at night. Yeah, what yeah. like what have you? What's your go to food? Like because you can't carry much stuff. Yeah. Like how do you? Like what do you eat? So so in the beginning, I had the whole cooking setup, bloody jet boil and stuff, and then I ditched everything and just went to a pot pot and my petrol stove i had a bialetti like an italian coffee maker ditched that also because it was too big and in turkey the coffee is way better anyway and it, like a dollar um and then so then I, like in general actually I, I take a lot of veggies with me um i i found a way to preserve meat kind of like beef you can actually if you buy a nice clean steak which is vacuum sealed you can probably keep it almost the whole day in your luggage system even when it's like 35 degrees so what i do i buy it fresh and i buy cheese and i wrap it in my down jacket my down like a puffer jacket yeah and it keeps it like chill not cold but it keeps it chill for a whole day and then i've never been sick eating beef like six hours later when i bought it yeah uh, i wouldn't try it with pork or chicken um but um so that's one thing actually i got kind of vegetarian just because of convenience and sometimes the, the quality standards in the other countries are a bit questionable yeah so uh i, I bought a lot of vegetarian stuff uh yeah veggies beans lentils lots of rice because it's just rice is really good value for the volume and for the weight um pasta all those things yeah, yeah. I, I actually i never really buy like pre-made food some people go on like canned spaghetti and canned beans with tomato sauce 
I actually never really do that. What I do a lot is wraps because they preserve for ages. Yeah. I've got a block of hard cheese and like a, a dried sausage, uh, dark chocolate because it doesn't melt that much, dried mango and stuff like dried fruit works really well. Yeah. Nuts. Um, what about break? What about brekkie? Yeah, so uh, I, I did a long time. I was eating uh, oats. Uh, now I kind of swapped to muesli, and I've got powdered milk. Yeah, uh, so that works. So pretty do, you, well. do you have a coffee yeah. in the morning? You get yeah. up and boil some so water. Now and have I've a got yeah. Now I've got an aeropress, and it works really right. And I even have got a grinder in it. I can grind my own beans. Oh really? Yeah, because it fits in the aeropress, and it's not even taking extra space. Only a little bit of weight, but it's bloody amazing having a fresh coffee in the yeah, morning. So, so you, you you got your bike, you've got your surfboard strapped to the side. Yeah, oh, you got a awesome. bag on yeah. the back. Yeah. You've got a um, couple of bags on the side. You got the rock one climbing in front of you. gear. On yeah. There. So so what what do you actually like? What do you actually have packed? Oh, I, I've packed. Uh, lots, lots of people think oh you've got a lot, but actually I haven't got too much either. If you know what's all in there, so everything is kind of optimized over the last three years or, or four years almost and i'm not always traveling with all the stuff i've got like the surfboard is only when i'm traveling along the coast and then i, I should have done that actually way, way earlier like shipping half of your gear somewhere else like i've been carrying all my winter gear and stuff um uh through like through from belgium till the himalayas and then just shipped lots of winter gear back back home and uh, because i was traveling in australia you know but when I go to New Zealand, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna have to buy some warmer stuff again. So I'm trying to. I mean, I still have a lot of gear, but I'm trying to kind of anticipate on the season because it just doesn't make sense to have everything together, like everything always with you, it, because you don't need it for maybe seven months or something. Yeah. You know? Because I'm kind of traveling long dis, uh, 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 slow traveling and and like. And can you post stuff ahead? Yeah, you could do that. But also. where do you post it to? Well, in Australia, it's really nice. You can just post it to the post office, and then they keep it for you if you ask it friendly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, what? I, like, I was diving on the west coast in, in Western Australia, and then I went to do the Gip River Road and stuff all the way to Broome and um, to to Darwin. And yeah, you can't really use goggles and a wetsuit and fins on the dirt roads. So I just shipped it to, I shipped it to to Darwin, and then from Darwin, I took it all to Indonesia to have a bit of bit of fun in the water. And then from Darwin, I shipped it to Cairns. Uh, yeah, yeah, to Cairns because yeah, I was still doing tracks uh, in, through the bush. I don't need a wetsuit yeah. there either. And did you go through the Simpson Desert? Oh, uh, I went along like on the side because because I had a bit of a play in the dunes and like I just was too heavy. But I did go. I did take a track so which kind of hugs the Simpson Desert. So you've got a bit of an introduction of it. You go through a couple of dunes, but it's still like half decent road. Yeah, and which is about five hundred sixty kilometers. Like from Mount Dare, you go north, and then you kind of arrive east of Alice Springs. So, when okay, so when you go somewhere, so you're about to go to New Zealand, like that's your next point of call. Do you just do heaps of research, like at you know in like at night in your tent? Are you just doing heaps of research and trying to like like ride an itinerary? Um, I, I definitely used to do that in the beginning. I had everything, like a lot of things I had planned and. The more you plan, the more you realize that there's way more to plan and that you can also stress out. Yeah. And then when you plan your things and you're in that country and you didn't do what you planned, you're like, oh, shit. I'm like, 
oh, I wanted to go to that city, but I'm going to run out of time. And like, oh, no, and I wanted to do this. And it's a different, like, I'm going to be too late. It's going to be a different season. So I kind of, I kind of, ha- I've got peace with it that I can't see everything. Like, mm. I've seen a fair bit in Australia because I kind of was here because of lockdown and stuff. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have been here that long because of COVID. Uh, because of COVID, I stayed that long. But in other countries, you kind of need to have peace with it that you can't see everything. And you're better off doing like one route and enjoying it to the fullest. That's my opinion. Yeah. Whereas trying to see everything and do like 5,000 kilometers in 20 days. You know oh, yeah, I mean? yeah. That gives me stress. Yeah, yeah. I can't You've got, yeah. <laughs> It's like people who go around Australia. Oh, yeah, we've been, we, we went around Australia. We did about 25,000 kilometers, two months. And like, holy shit. Yeah. It's, it's like, like I, I met people that I was backpacking and they're like, oh, yeah. I've been to 16 countries. You're like, sick. What have you yeah. been going for like three years? And I go, nah, like six weeks. Yeah, exactly. Or something, you're like, what? Yeah. So so I'm not like, I, and that's also what I realized with the planning. The more you plan and you think of an itinerary, you, you, you're so constrained again. And that's exa- like, you, you're limited to your, whatever thing you plan, then you kind of stress out if you don't do it. And that's exactly the reason why I started traveling to kind of be free and explore it mm. my own on my own terms and not be restricted. So, is so I, I, I don't get me wrong. I do plan a lot ahead uh, up front, but only a couple of weeks up front or something. When I know there, there's some major stuff that I want to do, then I just plan it really roughly and I do a bit of research and I all save it in a folder and have some bookmarks and stuff. But I kind of just gather the information and then later on I'll finalize a plan what to do. Yeah. So have you like is your bike still registered in Belgium? Uh yeah, yeah. How does that work? Like okay, so now you're about to go to New Zealand. Yeah. Like how does it work? Like to like ship it like is like what like do the New South Wales like hear the police reg- like they recognize your bike as being the, the, the that's a funny thing in Australia I'm I'm not regi- registered in Australia like so I'm still on a Belgian rego. But actually, I should have had, um, well, some cities, some states here, they claim that you need to have a road worthy and that you need to be registered on the state. But my temporary import documents from the motorbike, they claim that I have to have my Belgian license plate. So I'm a bit in the grain, like in the no man's land. And uh, well, yeah, keep the Belgian one because if you get a fine, like, exactly, what are they going to do? Yeah. So, so, so that, that's the <laughs> like, thing. So I was I was on the emergency lane and, and it was in Brisbane. And um, apparently you can only go 30 kilometers an hour on an emergency lane when there's a traffic jam. And I went probably 50, 55. So the police stopped, like the, it's a police on, on a on motorbike also. And he mm. stops me. He's like, oh, you were going too fast, this and that. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I just didn't, didn't, know, didn't know it. Oh, and you've got a Belgian license plate. And it's all covered in mud. I can't read it. Oh, you have to clean it. And he started like cleaning my license plate. And so, see, there you go. That's how it should be. Oh, you've got your lights wrong. They should be twenty min- minimum twenty centimeters apart. And then you haven't got orange reflectors on the side. And you haven't got a red reflector at the back. I was like, oh shit, I'm in big trouble. And he was like making a whole list, bloody all the way. Uh, like a whole list of bad things and he started taking pictures with his iPad and um, uh, like yeah he was he was about to, to write a report and I see him looking on his iPad like for a long time and he's like trying to do some stuff and like oh he's like writing the ticket and um, after I he's like well have a good day sir and then uh, yeah make sure you buy those reflectors and oh yeah 
I've, I had my surfboard on there also. And he's like, oh, that's too wide. You can't have that on the motorbike. I'm like, what do you mean? Like along the coast, so many people on scooters and bloody bicycles have a surfboard and I'm not allowed to have it. No, it needs to be smaller than the bike. I'm like, what do you mean smaller than the bike? Uh, it was really weird and then um, so he logged us all on his iPad and then I think he just couldn't couldn't register like couldn't like put in my license plate and that's why he said well it's your lucky day and have a good day <laughs> sir yeah. Uh, yeah so <laughs> that turned out pretty right so but he didn't stop you for having a Belgium license no because that, that's that's not illegal yeah like I've got all the official documents and I'm still registered and like in, I pay ro- road taxes yeah. and stuff in, in, in Belgium I suppose it's like yachts it's like we always had to show our yacht registration it's registered in Australia yeah. but it never went to Australia because it was always bought overseas yeah. in Malaysia but it was registered here but it's like we could never bring it back to Australia because we'd have to pay um, stamp duty because we bought it overseas, we oh, have to pay did, tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. going to be like fifteen grand or some yeah. shit, and we're like, "Well, let's never take it to Australia." Well, that's the same thing. I didn't pay tax, like import tax, because I'm on a temporary import document, so it's all. Yeah, you're not actually importing it. Exactly, you're moving through. Yeah, so that <laughs> a three year moving through, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was a bit of a mission, also, because normally those documents are all only valid for one year, and you can so, extend it once. Yeah, and I've been extending it now my fourth time. <laughs> I suppose because it. COVID, eh? But um, like you wouldn't be able to sell your bike here. Mm. No, like because so, someone else couldn't register it. Like it'd yeah, be like, so the, oh, the docu- it's not imported. Exactly. The document I have is called a Carnet de Passage, and it's basically some kind of a transport or international passport for the motorbike, which also has an insurance behind it, claiming or saying that I won't sell the bike yeah. because I put a b- deposit down back home. Let's see, uh, maybe five or six thousand Australian dollars, which gives an insurance. If I don't return the bike with the papers, I lose that money, and that's an international recognized rule and like uh, framework how this works. So Australia has an office, and I can extend my that doc- document. What if it like Australia. completely blows up? Like, do you have to ship it back? To no, you? then you have to go to the police, get a report, and like maybe a recognized mechanic needs to declare it like total loss. Yeah. And then with that document, I should be able to get the money back. Yeah. Ah, so, yeah. so like, yeah, it's like a, your bike has its own like a visa kind of thing. It's like yeah. our, our um, yacht. Like when we, it's weird when we took it to Indonesia, we had to apply for a visa for the yacht oh, and yeah. then a visa for us separate. Yeah. But what was funny, it was like the yacht got a different amount of time than what our visa got. Yeah. Like our sailing visa got six months and then you get two months either side of the of that border our like our visas only got two months yeah you know what i mean yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. what we're like out why does like how we get a different timeline yeah. with so wait now to get to new zealand like do you have to apply ahead to say you're bringing in a vehicle like you know like what how do you do that i'm i'm, I'm asking curiosity for for listeners of like yeah. they want to do this shit like so, how do you so of course every country has its different rules uh some countries you can just apply for insurance on arrival and um and that's it like lots of counters that actually just you go you cross the border so you got to have insurance in that country you can't yeah. just have like a worldwide i'm traveling on a no it, it does exist but it's like ridiculously expensive and i'm not even sure if it actually really exists because it's probably just an agent who does it for you and it ends up being the same i think yeah. so what i do is just that like you go to the country and for example i overlander is really good in that they even have like like pinpoints of this is an international insurance company or whatever 
So you go there. Sometimes you pay it straight away at the border. There's like an office at the border, which is kind of a uh, government-owned one. Otherwise, other ones are just privately organized and you can buy an insurance for a month or something, which is really nice. Uh, in New Zealand, it's a bit different how I understand it now because I'm still in the in the in the midst of of arranging the papers you i need to get my bike get checked to be roadworthy and then with that little slip i should be able to go to an insurance company and get a third party insurance yeah oh, so, um, so, but is it easy uh, yes and no the company that i'm shipping it with they ask about 650 dollars to get it roadworthy checked so it sounds like a big mission but i Shit. think it's i think it's just like a lot of money for like like just a yeah exactly so i think if you just so that's probably the thing they will put it on the truck and give it to the roadworthy center and then get it checked up and then they will drive it back to wherever you want to have it picked up you don't know the motorbike yeah i'll do probably something like a little bit in the gray zone and i'll drive to the roadworthy center without insurance and roadworthy check and i'll just drop it off and then i'll pick it up a couple of days later so that's probably why they charge more because they they do the whole package. But you did know? you have to do this once you left Europe through the Middle East and everything, or are they sweet, or do you still have to do the insurance at every place? Insurance just... goes almost in every country. Yeah. So in Europe, I had a European insurance, which actually covered all the way to almost Russia, and like Turkey and stuff was insured. I think Iran, maybe not anymore, but like all of, like it went pretty far. And then after that, you kind of just do a monthly insurance in the country you you arrive or you go through. And that's not too bad. Sometimes it's like $30, sometimes it's $50 bits or $100 before like two months. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. How are you making money while you travel? Um, In the beginning, I wanted to do a bit of YouTubing and whatever, like social media things. And I, like, I kind of got a bit of sponsorship for that. But I soon realized that I kind of prioritized traveling above like advertising yeah, like and me. social like media. Me. Thank, thank you, Wild Earth, for being so understanding. <laughs> they yeah. support me no matter what. I'm like, I'm just so bad with that crap. I had exactly this. <laughs> I've got one company which which supports me with the luggage system and the helmet and, and uh, stuff like that and like auxiliary stuff. Mm. And I do write reports for them like every couple of weeks and then with pictures and stuff and they publish that on their website. But yeah, they've been really understanding also, like really supportive that I like, it's sometimes just difficult to ride yeah. or you're not in the zone and like not motivated to it at that time. But I'm still delivering, so I, I hope that's that's all right. And um, yeah, the rest of social media thing, I just do whenever I want because it's just like, I, I'm, some people travel to be able to post it on social media and get the likes and whatever. I just travel because I like traveling and if it doesn't work out, then then I'll just don't post for a couple of weeks because I, I, I don't care, you know? Like, it's still my trip. Mm. Uh, like, making videos is actually really time-consuming. Oh, it's hugely. People always are telling me, like, film the podcast. And I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah. off. Like, do you know how much work that yeah. is? Yeah, I, I calculate it, like, going literally from taking the SD card out of your out of your camera to having your movie or, like, your video, like, 12... 12 minute clip it probably takes one hour per minute to produce it yeah so it goes from sorting the footage to like trying to get a story going then editing it putting music underneath doing voiceovers or whatever and putting some sound effects some color grading the whole lot and then uploading and all that that whole thing around making it making like a, a little story behind it 
probably takes it could even yeah. be more more it's, than one hour per per minute yeah, yeah. it's yeah. even like and even for a potty like just one episode it takes a good day of my time like of yeah. um editing it making sure the audio is right to like setting it all up uploading it doing all the pre-stuff everything you got you yeah. got it right and yeah. i'm like that's all right i'm like oh, and then people are like oh film it and add it in i'm like that's literally like like I'm like no, that's what, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like I'm, gives me so much anxiety thinking yeah. about it. I'm like, all right, give me a wage to do that. Yeah, you, you, you could just stream <laughs> it or something, you know, like what what uh, how is he like um, Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan, Rogan, like that's that's probably the the least uh, intensive way of doing it. But yeah, it, well, it, well it, once you stream it, like if you film it live, then does it just stay up? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you record it all, stop. Yeah, then you need internet. I live off grid. That's right. You yeah. don't have reception out here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys, this is not a live podcast. You're going to have to deal with it yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God. So, yeah, so I soon realized that, that this is not my cup of tea, all the social media. So I do posts and stuff, and I've got a bit of followers and this and that, but it's like, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to produce and make money out of just like having that push and like oh i haven't got reception for two weeks mm. wanna, i need to i need to upload something for yeah. my followers no i, I can't i can't do that plus also yeah. the you know i've met a lot of youtubers and youtube sailors and youtube this and it's like it's like oh, a lot of it's fake True. Not that it's, yeah. it's like they're, they're they're making scenarios and blah blah and it takes like sometimes you just want to sit there and watch the sunset yeah, and it's, you know oh, what I mean? it's that, not like filming guys, and, get, and yeah, they sit exactly, over here yeah, now, now, yeah. now smile for the sunset yeah. and make it look like we're all having this and like, you know, it's like, it's like no, nah, like, can I just, that's like what I do. I do like, like, I like to do what I really like to do is like just one minute, like little clips of adventures. Yeah. And it's so easy because I can edit it in 10 minutes on my phone and that's I just pull the Go, GoPro out and yep. I don't never film more than like seven or eight seconds. Yeah. I just, when something's happening, which is, you can see the story happening because the story is your adventure. Yeah. So it's like you start, you get out of the car, you film that, you start heading on the track, you film two seconds at three seconds of that you film like the next bit of climbing up this thing for a few seconds and it's yeah. just that and then you just get back and you put it all together and it's, just, and it's the timeline of what happened and I, like i'll make this video on crew that went with me they go how'd you do that i didn't even see you with a camera i was like no nah, i had a gopro i just pulled out just turn it yeah, on and off it. for like yeah, a few yeah. seconds yeah. every so often like in like parts of the story but i agree that and it, because in the beginning i was sometimes filming for five minutes or longer like 10 minutes but then going through that and no, cutting, cut it's it. just terrible. So I, I do it, like you say, 30 seconds max. Yeah. And then I've got like... And then maybe, take the good bit out. Yeah. And and it's also easy to delete because you know it's only 30 seconds. If you need to delete five minutes of footage, you're like, oh, there might be something yeah. good in it. Better check it again. You lose yeah. 10 minutes just going through. Yeah. And now I've got maybe one one like a 12 minute like episode probably has maybe 500 clips like raw. And then you sort through it and remove a couple of them, you know? Because, uh, yeah, you probably delete maybe 40% of your footage. That's probably shit. More, yeah, or more, yeah. maybe 50%. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I, I, I realized soon that that was, I realized that that was not really my uh, my goal. So, I, in Australia, I've been, cause, because of COVID, I've been staying, staying here a while and I like, had restrictions that we couldn't really travel. So, I just ended up working, working here on the road for a long time. And, um, yeah, so I've been working here for maybe a year and a half of the two and a half years that I've been here, on and off. So I saved a fair bit of money, which should get me going for the next year. Or and, and so what's your plan now for the next year? 
Yeah, New Zealand, and I want to proper explore New Zealand. Yeah, do some mountaineering. First, I want to do a surf loop around, and then do some mountaineering in like, like land in and in the mountains. Uh, some rock climbing for sure. Maybe some pack crafting. Maybe a paragliding course, like a ten day course, and then got an international pilot license, which is pretty sick, I think. You've got a pilot license. No, no. Then you oh, have. No, then yeah, you yeah, have. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that would it's just. It always inspired me. Like I mean, mm. flying inspired everybody from from back in the days. Like imagine that you can fly. Yeah. And like paragliding, you, you hike up, up the mountain. Instead of walking down, you open up your 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 chute or your uh, your foil, and you just glide down back to your car or your motorbike. That must be unreal, don't you think? Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah. yeah. And then you can push yourself so hard because you you've got literally the whole day to go up, so you can literally hike. Until you just smashed, like, till 4 p.m. And you just go down, and in one hour you glide down, you know? So, so you can do huge days, actually, only yeah, in one so, day. So then after New Zealand, then what? Like, I've been a bit longer than, than expected on, on the trip. So I might go home for a little bit, maybe a couple of years, or, or just one year. And then um, I definitely want to do South America. But I think, yeah, just being home for a bit, and then... Um, mm. Uh, or do whole Americas in like sections, like maybe first Canada and the States, mm. and then do South America proper. Because I think I'll I'll need easily a year in South America. Easily, yeah. Easily, it's yeah. um because I want to do some mountaineering there. So and would you and just ship your bike home or ride it home? I'll ship it home from New Zealand because she's she's getting pretty old now. She's yeah, twenty five years old. I've done quite a bit of hard kilometers on it, and. Yeah, it would be too heavy and uh, like I lost too much power to go in the in the Andes and stuff because there's lots of high mountains up to 5,000 meters like roads. So I kind of want a li lighter bike, which is a bit higher performance, I reckon. Yeah. And it's also just really good fun to have a light bike and powerful bike. So yeah. I, I, because I did change a little bit in like attitude of, of riding, like I, I really enjoy more har more harder off-road stuff. Whereas back in the beginning, because it was my first bike, I was just enjoying like dirt tracks and off-road tracks, uh, but I was not really like craving or searching for it. So yeah. I, I probably did 50-50%, but still like now I really like really enjoy like proper like like going up a track and trying to camp on the top of the mountain or, you know, like proper yeah. remote. Well, uh, yeah. It's funny you say that because we were talking about that earlier. Like when you said like, oh, no, I'd probably go home for a bit and then keep the dream alive. Mm. It's, um, and we are saying that earlier, it's like in a way, like, yeah, you can, you get sick of traveling. It's not that you get sick of traveling. It's like, I used to have a thing when I was backpacking. It's like, where, there was no rules if i got to a place that i liked we stopped and we enjoyed it and, yeah. and it was like it was like you needed to do that because on the road that the whole on the road all the time and moving all the time you got no place to like ground yeah, to settle to sure. like regroup yeah. and yeah. it's like you just need to like it's so nice to just stop and then you have that that homesickness yeah and it's like you get homesickness and you miss the smells you miss your mom you miss your granny you miss their cooking and you go and you get that you feed the soul again and then you go again and, and the scary thing is then it's like what and you might be scared of this like are you, are you scared of like getting caught back up in the rhythm of the life there and falling back into like just the mundane and not getting to yeah like finish that dream or like the, 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 there's a couple of things that, that that I learned like I I started I started to like really uh, like understand myself and then 
So there's one thing, I I can't I can't have one thing too long in my life because I need to get like a challenge or a motivation, and that that, that applies to my job. Say if I work for five years at a job, like after that I probably want to have a different job and a new challenge, or I want to like keep on evolving in that job, and it's the same with traveling. After a while. You, I, I need another challenge I need a motivation mm. to keep me going that's why I started like surfing like a little bit more uh, committed like I started surfing in Indonesia and uh, like now I've been like I bought a board and wetsuit and everything and I started surfing like quite a bit more here on the east coast because I wanted to make like get myself a challenge going and like get better at surfing and like get half decent and then because it's nice to achieve things and have a goal in life yeah because otherwise you're just running around like a chicken without a head you know yeah so like you say it's it's as when you were backpacking it's really nice to just do nothing and do whatever you want and like live day by day but that but after a while you need the balance yeah Yeah. it doesn't work for me because i want to have a challenge and something to look forward to Um, it's funny I said that to my girlfriend um, because she said oh I'm a bit nervous about just sitting there and doing nothing and blah Mm. blah and I said don't worry the goal will come naturally because you're a human she said I said to her it's all in balance I'm like first it's getting used to you that's like right. you've just been working for some for yeah. so long you're going every day you've been doing two jobs you've been studying everything and now it's all done you need to like learn to sit back and smell the roses mm. get yeah, back in yeah, balance yeah. with that and you try know to what appreciate I mean? try yeah. to appreciate, appreciate doing nothing yeah. also for a bit yeah, yeah and i was like sure, that yeah. that happens but i'm like you can't do that for too long because mm. then you know like you, you do that but then you start going out of balance of like yeah. having that meaning and challenge and working towards something. And I said, you're a human. It naturally comes. Well, you've been on an island. Like so many people think, oh, the ideal life might be just having a cocktail on an island and drinking coconuts every day. Yeah. But the new thing and like the, the, the excitement goes off. I mean, I don't know how that was with you when you were on the island, but you... I, I imagine I would start to like find goals and yeah. I, I want to do like make achievements and see myself improving and it could be spiritual, could be physical. Yeah. It could be just like, because well, I'm just a guy that I want to ha- make progress in life. Mm. Some people probably would just love to do nothing and re- relax and have their beer behind the TV and they, they yeah. would consider this just, this is just a good relaxing day. Yeah. And I don't need anything more. And yeah. Yeah. Being on the island, um, it was six weeks on the Percy Islands, like proper remote place, and yeah, it came naturally. Yeah. It's like it was so sick. I had days where I just hung out and read and yeah. blah blah. It was super nice, but like I've got to move. I can't sleep at night unless mm. I burn some energy. But it just came naturally. I was diving every day, and then it became like go deeper, go out wider, go yeah. like explore this place or like hike to a different area like these and then it was like go climb to the other side of the, the island and climb there was a, a big um peak up there and i went and climbed it you yeah. know what i mean it just like naturally comes with your yeah. thing to want to explore but also go out of your comfort zone it's like we need that as humans like for meaning like you're saying yeah. it's like we need challenges it's like if you're just doing the same thing every day it's like you don't know any different, but you just push that a little bit, that comfort zone, that adventure. Mm. You learn something new about yourself. You also upskill more, yeah. like you get better at something. So I'm like, I would be diving. And at the start, I'm probably like, oh, super nervous, like diving, like 
just to eight or 10 meters or something, yeah. or maybe six to six to 10 meters and just dive in that and staying close to shore. And then I would get comfortable with that and I go out a little bit more, yeah, yeah, find yeah. new spots, yeah. like new adventure, now mm-hmm. a bit more comfortable with my, myself. Yeah. I, it wasn't jumping straight into, you know, diving to it's like the, the bloody rock. Meter. We have I surfing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the rock today. That's why it was actually like a, yeah. It's like I nearly killed you today because I yeah. took you. <laughs> I took you. Like we we're jumping off a good spot out at head. The surf was pretty big. It's been been wild ocean down here, but we were at a nice spot and a nice place to jump off. But a big sweep, and then I did a run around the tip around the back of the point and jumped off where it was like kind of a bit, a little bit more hectic, bit more yeah. hectic. And then I said to you, "Oh, you want to venture? Let's go out here." And when we got back out there, it was a bit more wild with the low tide <laughs> than when I first jumped off in that spot. And then um. So I sat there for a while till I got the right the, the right moment and went and jumped and then I was looking and I was yeah and I was like thinking like oh god I'm gonna be uh, I think I've just killed him and then you waited for a while and then I got swept down the point to the point I couldn't see you anymore yeah. and I ended up getting a wave and then you never came and I was thinking like oh the longer you sit there the more scared you're gonna get and then I'm thinking like fuck I just like and I was actually hoping like, I was wondering I'm like oh will you turn back because it's too you know, like, I was like, is that exact that? It's like sometimes it's it's just tr- it can be traumatizing if you jump yeah, too yeah, out of your, sure. your comfort zone. Yeah, it's uh, step by step, you yeah. learn, and that's why it's just you know, um, you know, yeah, you can't push people too hard sometimes because yeah. then it's just too much. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not fun. It's like that's why it's saying like that's why people get overwhelmed with a goal. Like yeah. people listening to this, they go, oh. Like, yeah, I want to ride around the world on a motorbike or I want to go to a trip across Australia yeah. or go to eight, through Asia on a motorbike. That'd be sick. And then they just write down, goal, get ride across, blah, blah. And you look at that every day, ride across Asia on a motorbike. You look at that every day and you just get overwhelmed. True. Because yeah. it's a huge thing. Yeah. But if you write like down the list and you say like, start saving money, save this much yeah. every week. Small achievements Learn, that yeah. are feasible. Yeah. Also. yeah. Learn how to ride a motorbike yeah learn how to ride yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tracks learn how to ride learn on sand learn how to camp because yeah. maybe you don't you've never like camped lightweight you've been used to like a nice fat mattress and you had your ASCII like your fridge and whatever and like l- learning all those little things and like you say small achievements and then you yeah. can have bigger goals later because although yeah it's com- yeah. completely agreed otherwise it's overwhelming and you, you give up before you even start it yeah, yeah. you get it exactly you, f- you fail with one and you're like oh I, I can't do this because if you're too like uh, perfectionistic or like too if you're too anal and like about your goals then you never grant yourself like a mistake or something that you if you don't achieve your goal uh, how do you say it? like you, you you don't acknowledge your own mistake and you say like oh it's all right no if you always yeah. think like oh i failed on that then yeah you're too perfectionistic and then you won't make it either because failure is going to happen your plan is going to go off on mm. the rails like the first day the you change your plan already yeah yeah that's the adventure that's what I, like I'm never locked to anything it's just like because why would I be it's like the plan's gonna change the goalposts oh, yeah. will change yeah. goalposts will change even your goal will change the more you learn about yourself yeah. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? All you've got to do is set the yeah. set the goalpost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Set the goalpost. Start working towards something because at least you're working towards something. And you're you moving can, forward. And you can always change it. There's, exactly. There, there, there's no police. There's nowhere. Nowhere. Goal police who's gonna. Oh, you change your plan. I'll put you in jail. Yeah. No, it's just like, like no. I learned more about myself. Exactly. I'd actually rather do it this yeah. way. Yeah. Or I learned that like this actually isn't feasible, but this is more feasible. That's right. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna do this, and people yeah, are like, yeah. oh. You know, I, yeah, I, I've, oh, didn't, didn't you say you, you were, you were 
planning to go there and they're like oh yeah but I, it changed yeah, yeah exactly. nothing wrong with that and but and that's whole life lots of people are really scared for failure and to mm. acknowledge their own faults or mistakes and it could be your job could be your work uh, could be like a travel or just your personal life there's nothing wrong with just saying like oh I went there. Like imagine, it's actually strong. It's it's stronger. You know. Yeah. Ima- imagine you go on a trip and you were scared. Like you were a bit anxious in the beginning. There's nothing wrong to say. Like, oh, I just realized that actually traveling is nothing for me. Like, I just brought us at home with my friends and and have like an organized party and it's all under control. Mm. But at least you tried and you know that you don't want to do that. Yeah, that's the thing. You learn that about yeah. yourself. Because there's so many people like, oh, I wish I could have done what you have done. Oh, I'm too old now, and I'm like trying to convince them. Like, dude. You're not too old. Just give it a go. This yeah, you've met that many worst people. Case, that adult. You yeah. met Fedrick. Yeah. <laughs> worst case, <laughs> he might you have been fly old. home the day after and it'll be a $3,000 ticket. Mm. But the That's second what... day you're in your you're in your house, you just like, yeah. like lay in your uh, reclining chair and have a beer. That's... What's $3,000? I mean, I'm just giving a number, but I mean, these days, it, your your comfort is just a doorstep away anyway. Yeah. So. That's what Sarah Davis, uh, Sarah Paddle's uh, episode not too long ago, she said in it, the achievement is just starting. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Yeah, it, that's she so said, true. She yeah. said, because she paddled the Nile, yeah. and she said, like, the first day, that was enough for her. She ended up doing the whole whole thing. But I said to her, like, you know, and she said it took a year or two years of planning her yeah. life. She actually went for it. And it was just like the whole thing was like, yeah, you, you don't know. Like you can get there and go, oh, no, this isn't for me. But at least you got there. Yeah. You went for it. And then you found that out about yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I've got a pretty cliche question for you, but it's... um. But, uh, but I'd love to know. It's like, you know, obviously being on the road for four years, you know, living rough, living raw, you know, exposing yourself to so much culture, to wild situations, to raw mountains, like everything. It's like if what life lessons are like, like, like you could word this so many ways. It's like, okay, I'll word it a few different ways. It's like, what would you tell the, your younger self? Like, you know, yeah. like what if, what what's the biggest thing you've learned about life that is now like your insight? What would you tell the younger version of yourself? What would you tell a younger person in life? Like, what have you learned about yourself on this this journey? Um, like the biggest life lessons, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well... Uh, it's actually a really good question. I need to think about it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, because it puts you on the but, spot. Yeah. yeah. So probably, so the more you travel, the more you also start to realize that there's way more than than you only. So so the more you travel, the more humble you actually get. So I probably what 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 stood what kind of got imprinted in my brain or just in my in my um in my memories is that ninety nine percent of the people are good in the world mm. and. It's only that one percent who fucks up, or maybe the point five percent. Don't listen to what other people say and just do your own thing. Because, like, when I started this trip, there were people saying, "Oh, Pakistan is dangerous. Don't go there alone." And you come there, and it's like the most hospitable country. Uh, oh, don't leave your bike there. You, it's gone here in, in Australia. Don't go to Alice Springs. Your motorbike is gonna, it's, it'll be gone within two hours. Don't go to Woolies and leave your whatever there. And I go there and. You look, it is definitely different. You need to be a bit more aware, but it's everybody exaggerates. And actually, that could be the, 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 my motto, what I would say to my younger self. Don't listen to, don't take 
another person's opinion for granted, but first experience it yourself and then make up your own opinion. Yeah. Because so many people have, and I'm I'm the same. Everybody's like that. All your opinion, your whatever it it is, it's always linked to your personal experience. Yeah. And so it's Today could linked. be the best surf, could be your best surf. Another guy maybe just had a huge washout and like almost drowned, and he said, "Oh fuck, those waves were just terrible." And you're like, "Oh fuck, they were they were insane." Yeah. Had had this to go, you know? Yeah. So it's so subjective, and that's with opinions about countries, opinions about the the United States. I was like, "Oh, I'm not sure if I want to go there." Like, it's pretty pretty. Uh, the pol political system is pretty hectic, you know. Like, I'm not at all. I don't support their system at all. But then. The thing is, the people are probably super friendly, and if you just don't talk about politics, yeah. nobody cares if it's a Democrat or a Republic. If you just talk friendly about motorbikes and about how good the food is and the steaks, you know, exactly, everybody's yeah. happy. America's sick. Like it yeah. actually is. Like I've traveled yeah. around quite a bit of America. The first time I went there, I hated it, and because I just I was in Santa Barbara and I just like met a whole heap of like egotistical people and I was only there for a week and I was like, what the hell? And then I went back and I did a road trip and I was like, America is amazing. Everyone yeah. was so cool. Like so much hospitality. The nature was insane. I was like, oh, there's a reason why so many people like yeah. settled here and everything. Like I get it. It was beautiful. And, uh, yeah. Just look, look for yourself and then make a decision mm. or judge them. Well, everywhere yeah. has exactly like what you're saying everywhere has its beauty it's up for you to see it yeah because it's True. only yeah, someone yeah. else's story that's you know what right. i mean it's yeah, like yeah. it's like i it's the same thing like i've had i've gone to a place and i said oh no oh, that's dangerous mm. and other people are like oh that's the best place ever yeah. like for instance say leader in mexico i've had one of the best like two weeks of my life there yeah. that place is insane and i say say i tell the people and i said it to someone not too long ago they'll go oh no that's just the Byron of Mexico it's just like I went there it was just pretentious and like yeah. only Americans and like they just set put all this shit down on it and I was just yeah. like whoa the experience that I had there was amazing yeah. I met the coolest people I vibed like everyone was so nice I was went to salsa clubs every night yeah, yeah, yeah. like I just like yeah. I just had so much fun ha having the right setting and right friends like, like that's also if you if you like if you have good friends around you're just mm. a good company it can change everything mm. you know like like when i when i said if you were two motorbike riders and you just plow through a river and you fall in the mud you're just gonna laugh even because you're with two you know mm. like oh fuck i'm all muddy like oh fuck this is terrible yeah. and then the other guy is laughing even harder because he he sent you first through mm. the river and he fell and he's like oh if i would have gone first i would have fallen and so it's it's an amazing experience and at in the end of the evening you're drying your boots and you still reek like like rank mud the day after but it's it's amazing yeah. Yeah. so company is probably the second most important part of like how you how how an experience mm. is and yeah. also when you're traveling and we said it earlier to get that company it's up to you to drop the story of fear of judgment yeah and just yeah. go up and chat to people That's i just it. do it so, and sometimes i'm with people and they get super annoyed i've been with people before that are super introverted yeah, so introvert. Yeah, introvert. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, "Oh, Aaron, can you please not talk to everyone?" Like, yeah. I just like, well, I'm like, "Cool, no, I'm not doing that." And they're like, yeah. "Why?" Well, I'm like, "That's how my life is fucking amazing." Yeah, it's just yeah. like I go through it and I meet people, and when you meet people, they they find that you're safe. You're showing them that you're safe. Yeah, you know what I mean. You actually you're being your authentic self. They want to connect with you. You want to connect with them, yeah. and then people so they become your tribe. 
Mm. And us as humans look after our tribe. You know what I mean? And so like people always like, like even my mom always says it to me like, oh, you know, how'd you end up in that city? You ended up there at this people's place and they're giving you this and you're staying at this place. You know, like you would have had this traveling hospitality of people. They just hook you up and everything. You're like, oh, like how'd you get yourself into these? It always happens to you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I just said hi to someone and started having a chat and I saw that person. You know, I I went through my own courage and out of like, oh, they might think I'm a weirdo or they're going to like blah, blah, for say hi to them. And I was like, hey, how are you guys going? If if they're not in the mood for today, they go, hey. They'll walk That's off, right, or if yeah. they're in a bad mood, like I don't lose anything, or, or just sometimes what I what I just acknowledge that they're there, that they're a, a human being, you yeah. know, like you go through customs and there's like you're you're like the customs lady is there and she's she just looks rough, like she had probably a really hard week, yeah, and she probably gets underpaid like tremendously, like low wage, and she probably has three kids to feed and still needs to do her laundry back home, you know? And her husband is maybe working or drinking or whatever. Mm. She just go there and say, like, how are you going? Like, just say, say like, a genuine thank you and a genuine, like, thanks. And, like, oh, no worries, mm. I'll just wait here. It's pretty busy. Like, just do whatever you need yeah, to you do, do first. You, man, yeah. And then, like, oh, thank you. Like, mm. they're like, oh, yeah. It's not just an angry tourist who's like, oh, I just want my papers. Like, oh, how, how long is this going to take? Two hours already? Like, oh, no, just uh, yeah. how, how much, you know? It's not just, your fault. Yeah. Just show that they're a human being and, yeah. like, acknowledge that, indeed, it's not necessarily their fault. Or, or, or mm. anyway, if it's their fault, just say, no, that, that's all right. I can wait a little bit. Yeah. And then the majority of the time, you just get a smile back and they do maybe even a little bit extra effort and, and yeah, fix it all for you. Yeah, you up and oh, yeah, nice it's or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a chat with this bloke one day. Uh, we, we got in, we are in Auckland. We got, um, we couldn't fly back because of the um, bushfires. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so that we got delayed like 12 or 16 hours or something mm. stuck at the airport and pe- everyone was blowing up and then I started chatting with this dude, like one of the guys that like um, run the park. I didn't even realize he was a manager. And I was just chatting with him. I was like, and I was joking. I was like, dude, I feel that sorry for you guys today. You're just copping it. Everyone's, I was like, you just can't control the weather. And he's like, mate, yeah, I know. And I was like, and I was like, oh, how are you holding it up? Like I said to him something like, oh, how are you holding up? Pretty stressful, eh? And I was like, you know, you, I said, you're keeping together. Like he's still like, I said like, he's doing, you know, the best you can. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I was just having a, a chat with him, but I was like relating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That, that's important. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. he goes to me, he goes, oh, did you get some food vouchers? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got some early. And he goes, oh, here, here man, have some more. And I was yeah, like, oh, nice. sick, dude. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Hook us up. And he goes, he goes, hey, mate, like, we'll be calling it soon. So we'll be able to check his in and board. He goes, there's heaps of crew. And he goes, um, just um, wave us down and I'll let you come up the front. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sweet, yeah. man. Yeah, thanks. He's like, yeah, dude, have a good day. You know, like, yeah, I just yeah. talked to him like he's a bro. Like, I just talked to him like he's a human. I was but like, yeah, it. mate. Like, yeah. yeah. And so he's given us some vouchers yeah. of going off and my friend's like, how'd you score that? I was like, oh, I was just chatting to him, like, exactly, randomly. Yeah. I was just like, hey. And then, um, anyway, like an hour later, they call us, you know, everyone up, say, oh, yeah, we're going to, you can all check in for this flight. We'll, you know, board in a couple of hours or something or whatever, but we can check our luggage in. So next thing, there's fucking hundreds of people, mm. like a couple hundred people there or whatever, all luggage. And I go to my friends and they're super nervous. Like, oh, no, we can go up the front. They're like, no. I'm like, what? I was like, no, nah, the, the bro, man, like you said, yeah, we can come up. It, yeah. So we walk up, wave him down and he was like helping someone. And he just come over to the side. He's like, yeah, you crew, like I'll come to me. I'll sort yeah. you out. So he's checking us through. And when we went, flew to Tonga, because we flew to Tonga, then sailed from Tonga to New Zealand. Um, the deal was that I would pay for the surfboards going to Tonga 
and on the plane, our surfboards, and then um, Lexa from Still Stoked, who's actually coming tonight to, oh, yeah. to yeah, camp yeah. here. Her, it was the deal was that she was going to pay for our boards going home. Yeah, right. So I'd already done my part, and because we only had one surfboard bag, and it was oh, supposed to be on yeah, her ticket, yeah, so yeah. I'd already done my part, right? So then we've checked in. Then Lexa's checking in, like checking us all in, and then go, oh, surfboard bag, and he goes, oh, you don't have any luggage, like you haven't bought it. And Lexa's like, oh, shit, I forgot. Like, fuck, like. And I'm like, Lex, like, oh, it was your turn. And yeah, this dude yeah. just goes, oh, man, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, checking in a 23-kilo surfboard bag last minute where you haven't bought the luggage, you yeah. know, that's per kilo yeah, right. of over yeah, luggage. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, we yeah. had we checked in our luggage yeah. already that was the 23-kilo, and then you buy the extra bag for, like, what, 80 bucks or 100 bucks? Yeah. When you get yeah. to the airport... That could that could have been like six hundred bucks because they charge yeah, you per cr- kilo crazy. of over yeah. luggage, yeah. and the dude just goes, "Oh, dude, don't worry about it. Let's put it through." Yeah, and no, you don't have to pay. And just and they're like, "Oh my god, how do you?" And Lexa goes to me and she's like, "How do you? You always get this happen? Like, how does this always happen to you?" And I go, "Well, it doesn't always, but like, it just it happens a lot because I t- but say, go say yeah, hi just, to people." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, I, I I agree with that. It's just. Same um, if you're in, if you're in a long distance airplane and uh, you friendly ask or you just have a yawn with like the hostesses and you friendly ask like oh like when everybody's boarded you just say like oh I see there's a couple of spots free there at the at the exit or you know like the bigger leg room do you mind if I just sit yeah, there yeah, like just up? yeah <laughs> yeah and if you just have a nice talk and you just say like oh whatever like if you have time like you know yeah. you're not like oh there's a free one there like I can sit there right no I just ask it gently and then couple of times yeah. I've had like yeah no worries I'll, I'll see what I can do we just you just have to wait until everybody's boarded because then yeah. we know the airplane like they're all full and if it's still available by the time time the door is shut you can sit there it's fucking unreal it's same with like a yeah. second meal if you're hungry just ask oh if you got maybe just some extra food yeah. like yeah whatever you, whenever you've got a bit of time yeah well yeah. you said earlier it was actually to the point of the opposite you're getting so much hospitality just yeah, by traveling yeah. and you know doing this that like sometimes you needed your own space that's and like, also true yeah, yeah. and that, that's yeah. what the thing is it's just like human beings look after human beings and this is how we have these these, these experiences that's right yeah yeah, yeah. um so it's that, sick okay i'm i'm frothing i need because i'm i fly to indonesia in a couple of days and the first thing we're doing is, well, I used to live in Western Bar, so we're going over there. But then we're going up to swim with the whale sharks. Oh, yeah. But we're going to a place where there's no tourists. We're going to go up to the top um, and then just hire a fishing boat to go out. Oh, and like, cool. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like yeah. the only way we can do it is by is by going to the village, Support just meeting the locals. Crew, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Finding it out. And I'm so excited for that yeah. adventure. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean? So sick. Yeah. No, that's good. That, that's, that's also what I really try to do in every country is trying to hook up with locals like when i was in indonesia the same there was a, a guy who was the, the the or actually was in bali he was the, some kind of the manager of the of the hotel and i just asked oh yeah what do you do because he was only there in the evening and I'm like oh i'm a fisherman i'm like oh do you mind if i come with you he's like oh yeah of course he was so happy like yeah come at 5 30 at my house we go fishing so we went out to fish uh, mackerel and then he caught some mackerel. He only caught like four mackerel, or maybe six that day. So it was bugger all. Like, no worries. We'll make, we'll make dinner for you. Like, yeah, uh, I'll come to you. And he had like a whole, the, all the mackerel, rice, and like, like a bit of a salad and stuff. It's fucking unreal. Yeah. If you just, if you wouldn't have, if you would have never acknowledged or asked what he was doing, 
and like, oh yeah, you're a fisherman, can I, can I join you? Then you would have never had that experience or you pay big bucks as a tourist to go fishing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah. it's like, it's like, oh, you pay big bucks. It's just yeah. like, I don't like doing tourist things. I was just in Queenstown. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I got off the mountains and we we went to Queenstown and everything was like these tourist trips, you know, like mm. go do a boat ride around there. So go like do a speedboat thing and like, it was just, all, and I was like, like I don't know, it was just like yeah, I don't, it's a I different. Uh, yeah. yeah, I want to meet some local dude and go on his boat. That's right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like I want to. Yeah. I don't want to jump on a bunch of tourists and pay yeah. all this money. and have like the the same thing that they do every day. I want to meet some dude who's got yeah, a boat. And that's like, right. Yeah, and, and what what I also and that that's a, that's kind of thing between like if you travel or you know if you're on a holiday and you you've set your goals and you you do like a trip, whatever, like a boat tour or something else. Uh, you paid big bucks for it and you expect it to be good. Yeah. So you've got already that attitude from the beginning. And yeah. it's just, I, I can't understand it because you pay a lot of money. You maybe have only two weeks of holidays. So you kind of want to justify whatever you do during those two weeks to have a good time, to have kind of the best time of your year because that's your holiday, you yeah. know? So you you want to do whatever you can to to justify some things. Whereas if you travel and you meet people, you like you've got no expectations at all because you're mm. like, oh, I'm just going to that town and I'll see where it brings me. You meet the bloody guy, you go on his boat and you have got like the sickest fishing trip. And like, dude, this was so unreal. Like if I yeah. if I thought about it, if if I wanted to go fishing, I would have paid five hundred dollars or something doing mm. that. And I can just do it with you. We had such a great time. Thank you. You maybe buy him some stuff in the evening or you cook for him or whatever just needs to be like a, a yeah a, it needs to be a mutual you know like the the deal needs to work on both sides but it's just really nice to have all those unexpected experiences and they're probably way nice and way more genuine than that planned trip yeah and then on that day you had shitty weather you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck, I paid well, so much money. And then, yeah. I, like, it was shit weather. And then the food was off. And then, like, yeah, they yeah. just tried their best. And the fridge didn't work that day. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just expectation. Yeah. I, I always have this thing. I, I, and I've talked to Shelby about it. It's just, like, I need times in my life. And I have to do it nearly, like, once a year where I mm. just completely let go. Yeah. She's like, yeah. why? I'm like, just completely drop everything so I can be fully in the now. No expectation. No responsibility, just completely drop. And that's why I always say, like, let the experience take me. And it's just like, like right now, I fly to Indo in a couple of days. I don't have, I haven't booked anywhere to stay. Yeah. I don't know what I'm yeah. going to do yet. I've organized a motorbike, like, with a mate. And I'm like, I've got a place to stay in Western Bar when I get there. But that's because that's my mate's place and I can yeah. stay there. But when I get to Bali, I've got nothing. I've got nowhere to stay yeah. yet. I'm flying over with a mate. I don't know. I haven't talked to her yet, what she's doing. And... I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing yet, and I yeah. don't care because it's gonna work out. It's That's just right, like, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. And some days are a bit more of a struggle, and you you don't find whatever accommodation or stuff. But eventually. It, 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 because that yeah that's also the thing if you have that mindset like oh it'll be fine and we'll sort something out of course it won't always be ideal but it, it'll, it'll work and then the next day you'll be right yeah whereas other people would freak out like oh shit we didn't find accommodation and i don't want to go in that bloody whatever thing uh oh, no mm. i don't trust that you know well, traveling on a motorbike you'd have to have that attitude because it's yeah. like you don't know where you're gonna stop and camp and you gotta no, get yeah. to a point and go oh this will do 
Like, so, oh yeah, I, I camped on the side of the road or in an open, uh, open mine, and then in the morning you wake up and you see there's bloody trucks driving around, and you're like, oh shit, that's a bit of a wrong spot. <laughs> you get waking up really early because there's like a, a factory next to you or stuff like that. Like sometimes you, you you do have a shit spot or your tent gets flooded or you know, um, but then other days are just unreal and they justify like in one sec it's justified for that shitty night. You yeah, know? you need to ride the lows before you can ride the highs. You know. Yeah. And otherwise you don't appreciate it. Like you say, if you just run on neutral, it just gets boring. Yeah. Everything. So you need to really experience how how low you can go to yeah. fully appreciate how how high you can go out yeah it's funny because everyone comes to my, my house that you're in right now and everyone goes oh this is sick but it's look at it it's a half built house it's a cabin the it's walls aren't actually. finished yeah, yeah. The, the walls aren't finished you know yeah. the insulation's still hanging out there i yeah. haven't clouded that up yet but and this all started from me sleeping in a swag out there and just going bit by bit and it is just sick every little bit i do some you know someone not anyone that i actually invite here but people could come here and be like oh you know like I can't, like, there's a house, like, snakes get in here. Yeah. And yeah. I don't care. You know yeah. what I mean? I like that. The snakes come in, like, the and eat the mice. That's yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's yeah. just like, it's like every little bit, man. When I got the oven down there, like, my, oh, when yeah. I got that, I had some friends staying here. We had pizza night four nights in a row. We had a big party because <laughs> I got an oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know what goal. I mean? Yeah. It's just like when I put a shower up, like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, a shower party. Yeah, it's just like a shower party. <laughs> yeah, it's just like when I got the um, electricity ho all hooked up, when I did that, the solar system. Yeah. No, I was like, nice. I never had power. That's I had a little right, yeah. solar panel and a little battery and I had rechargeable lights, yeah. you know, camping lights and stuff. And then suddenly you got that and you're like, whoa. And it's just the appreciation. It's just sick. For sure. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I'm frothing. I love living here. You know, yeah. I come I come here and I say to Shelby all the time, like, it just feeds my soul. Yeah. You know, nice. it's just yeah. like, it's no, real. That's, that's really nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It's that, um, it's good. Like getting appreciation for, from small things is probably way more important than, trying to have a really big big project and then you know like it's even with with a trip like a, a, a trip that you plan probably the planning is half of the trip because you're like looking forward to it yeah. you're building up to it you're working harder because you want to earn some extra money maybe you're you're yeah. starting to plan you're starting to make connections maybe buying new stuff you're making it's sacrifices bloody, yeah you're missing out on the yeah. party be like no, no i'm saving a bit of money because i'm going to the sick trip yeah you're like buying new stuff and like oh this yeah. arrives and you're like unpacking it or at least that's me I'm like unpacking yeah. it pretending what I'm already like what I'm yeah. going to need to do you get you a know? new sleeping bag first thing you do yeah. is roll out and get in it yeah exactly you know what I mean get, get, like, you get your diving goggles use them under the shower to see if they fog up and stuff yeah. like that you know like just stupid stuff but it, it gives you joy and satisfaction and I love it yeah, yeah. just like the, the, the hike or uh, the, the hike or the psych before actually you do your trip mm. is as important as yeah, like now I'm like, oh, I'm going to New Zealand. It's going to be sick. And like planning and like, oh, maybe I can surf there or I'm going to do this and that. And it's like you get so motivated and so like frothed up. Mm. To, yeah, yeah. Dude, you're living so free. It's so, so brilliant. You know, you're traveling around the world on a motorbike, camping wherever you end up that day. Yeah, it's all I've got actually right now. So, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, and it's brilliant. But think about it, like when you get a bed for the night, you're like, whoa, like you get a shower for the night. Someone gives you a yeah, shower, someone unreal. gives you a meal. You're like, this yeah. is sick, you know? It's like, unreal, that's right. That's yeah. the appreciation. Those do you just get constantly getting dopamine hits. Yeah, for sure, yeah. It, and, um, yeah, like Australia is, is pretty straightforward. Like it's, it's, 
it's a safe country it's big it's it's um lots of grocery stores and whatever so it's actually really like easy to travel in but other countries sometimes are just an emotional roller coaster and like one mm. can go like india it goes from like really like dense cities and like really hectic to like unreal nature and culture and it's like and like it's a roller coaster of experiences and emotions um so yeah it's also really like you say really mm. nice to then get rewarded with an invite and sleep yeah. in a bed or whatever if the if there's no bad books in and stuff. I know, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting myself prepped because i'm about to go after indonesia then i go to iceland mm, yeah i go on back to iceland and i'm like that's that for me it's this emotional roller coaster yep. of just like wild rawness hard traveling hard it's like yeah, it's like you really have to work for those special moments. And yeah. then when you get them, you're just ecstatic. That's right. But it's like when I was there last time, uh, oh no, last time I was COVID hit, but the time before that, that's when I did the Mexico trip after. I was just like, after Iceland, I was like, oh my God, my adrenals is just done. It's just up yeah. and down. It's, you know, I just want to go to the... I just want to go to Mexico and just sit on a beach. Yeah. I just want to go... Yeah. I just sit on the beach for a bit and just go surfing. You know, drink beers on the beach in the afternoon, yeah. nice and warm. Life's not hard. It's just so easy. Yeah. And then you do that for a bit and you go, fuck yeah, give us the challenge. Where's That's the mountain? Right, yeah. Where's this? Let's go push ourselves. No, it's, I, I, you know, like you say, drinking beer is, is or like getting wasted, is, it's fun in the beginning, but then yeah. torture at, at the day after because you've got a hangover and it only lasts a little bit, like the, the fun. Whereas if you, if you do like a crazy physical or mental achievement, it's hard work before, but then the high and like the satisfaction can last for days. You oh know? man! You yeah. like you ride like you go through a sick ride or like a crazy hike. Like in New Zealand, I want to do a couple of like multi-day hikes or like five or ten days or something. Mm. And it's gonna be torture for sure, like the last days or whatever. But after that, you'll be so satisfied. Like oh, oh man, that, that hike and yeah. Me just getting back from New Zealand, like getting off the mountains. It was actually yeah. hard. We we got back. We we chopped it out of the glacier and landed back. Oh yeah, yeah. like yeah. down at, at Mount Cook Village, <clears throat> and I looked around and it was like we were all just like, get us back up there. Yeah, we want to go back. Yeah. And when we're up there, we're like, oh my god, we're wrecked. Let's get yeah, us down. Exactly. Let's go have a yeah. shower. But and we got back and we're like, oh, but the, I just could not. I was, the high that I was on mm. for like a solid week, my yeah. body was completely wrecked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the high that I was on was like I could, the achievement, sense of achievement. It's like, yeah, we did it, boys. We scored. Yeah. You know what I mean? We went for it. We trained for freaking like six months for that. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, getting yeah. our body prepped so yeah. we could just push it for a couple of weeks. And then we went and did it and yeah. like just felt ecstatic. You know what I mean? And like I've had like... Yeah, now like my my body's coming back to it and I'm like, I'm just coming off the high of it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It was worth everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. It's just so nice to give yourself a challenge, then build up for it and then ha pick up the reward afterwards and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. sick. Yeah. All right, I hope we've motivated everyone. Bert, you're a legend. You got the motorbike, you had the idea, you had the dream, you went for it, you went out of your comfort zone. And I'm still going out of it from, t like, it's just, if you keep on finding your challenge and your, yeah, you need to keep pushing your limits, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just, yeah, you just keep on evolving in your life and getting, like, a bigger, bigger, your, like, a bigger me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, just well, keep on building experiences. Well, keep growing. Growing, that's Keep it. growing. Yeah. And by doing that, you stay in positive emotion. For sure. You're moving yeah. forward in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I thank you also. It's, yeah. it's bloody. It's really nice to meet like-minded people and like uh, interesting souls. Uh, yeah, 
I really liked it also. Yeah, always welcome, man. Yeah, stoked. Um, yeah, stoked to meet up with you. I didn't see your messages for a couple of days that you're actually close to my neighborhood, that you're in my hood. Oh, there was, there was, was actually a couple of months ago I sent you a message and then you were, I think, in New Zealand then and I started working then and then it's like two months ago maybe. Yeah, and it all yeah. works out. And as soon yeah. as I looked at what you're doing, I was like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> this is a story I want to pass on to people because that's, that's like what I feel like. It's like I always say, I'm going to, cl- yeah, we'll close on this because I always like, I always think like we've all, we've all, got to play our part mm. for this world for this society for yeah. the natural world for ourselves for us as a tribe it's like we've all come here to have this experience but we've all got to play our part for everyone and not just for everyone but for ourselves and i always think i was like you know like what am i doing or what can i do to help or like what am i doing to help and like one of the things is like one thing i can do is help other people yeah. You know, realize that it's okay to follow their dreams or do this or do that or be them. It's mainly, it's not even follow your dreams. It's a cliche of that is it's like, it's okay to be your authentic self. That's right. That is the lesson. And it's like every opportunity that I have to help pass on that message to people and not only pass that message to help remind myself constantly because that makes my life amazing it's like i do that so when i saw your like what you're doing riding around the world and looking at your photos on instagram what's your instagram uh so it's the story of b the story of the story of b because i'm bert yeah yeah the story of b and so i looked at, at the story of b on instagram and looked at your photos of like just all these different places in the world yeah, with a motorbike you. and I'm like what the hell and I was like whoa and what always makes me think is I think of like some grom just finishing high school and going oh like I don't know what to do like or like yeah. oh I better just go like study accounting the reason why I say accounting is my best mate Mitch studied accounting for four years and then went and did it for two years and then came and met me when I was in Mexico on a trip and then he ended up traveling for four and a half years and now wow, he yeah. like now he's never done accounting again he's just like i don't know what i didn't know myself he's like i didn't i didn't know who i was i just chose something that would make money and he's like it actually it doesn't feed my soul yeah yeah, and now he lives this beautiful life and he's become this beautiful expression of himself Mm. but but i'm like wow i'd love to you know have that grom that's like sitting there not right now i was like 18 going oh yeah and i might go study accounting yeah. but i've always like i just want to get on a bike and just get go some ride. inspiration go and well that's probably the, the only reason why i do social media like making those youtube videos because there's actually the reward of it is actually really nice there's there's so many people who say like oh this is amazing to watch and actually it's really nice to publish that and to see that people truly enjoy listening it or, or or like watching the, the the videos that i make yeah um so actually that is something that i should try to maintain so that these these videos that we can watch to see the person behind is that on youtube yeah so they're on youtube it's also called the story of b and uh, this kind of episodes of of me traveling and fucking around in the river and dropping the bike and drowning the bike and getting invited from pe- with people and how like crossing the border in Iran that's actually half on video. Oh, uh, I, I did need to stop the camera because I was too scared to keep on filming, but uh, yeah, lots of little things uh, like that river crossing with Frederick and stuff, uh, and that he almost died. Like half of it is on, on YouTube. Actually, I still need to write, like, uh, make the other video clip. But, uh, yeah, I, I do want to document it all and, like, make, makes, makes, do something with it. Because mm. I was on, yeah, someone else also said to me, like, actually, you should write a book. 
and because I said, oh yeah, so many people wrote a book before, yeah, wrote a blog, wrote a this, did do do that, but it's still like if you give your own motivation why you should do it and why why everybody can do it and like talk about that, probably that's quite quite nice to because i i don't want to write just a travel report like oh australia is nice make sure you go to perth and then go to Broome. after Broome, you've got darwin in the north and it's really nice to visit yeah. crocodiles and it'll be and, like i got a flat you know? tire here it's 45 degrees yeah. and no water <laughs> yeah. yeah it'll be like oh i was completely rooted i just wanted to yeah like i, I didn't have water for that and then you know like like a, just your own rough story i think it's a bit nicer or yeah. at least that's for me well, your own expression yeah yeah so the thing is it's like that your expression someone else can relate to it exactly you know what i mean and the right person yeah. will relate and, and i'll probably write like if i write a book it'll be it'll be uncensored it'll be like with everything what's going on like i'll it'll be like the positive and negative things i don't want to like mm. uh, make one country look really nice and like oh this is the best country this and that and then people come there and then they experience the opposite you know because you were just like making it the uh, insta insta famous with you know what yeah. i mean like with fancy pictures and stuff because it, it's kind of my experience and i'll probably also say that up front if, like in the book like this is just my opinion yeah. and just what i experienced yeah this is my experience is it like yeah. no one can take that this away is, from it's you not, it's, it's like n- this is was my experience it's not a globe trotter or a whatever lonely yeah. planet uh guide that i'm riding it's just kind of my my experience on my trip yeah oh and wicked if, yeah yeah wicked man yeah do it all right well um, good luck. Good luck with the oh, bike. Thank you. Good luck yeah. with New Zealand. Good luck with the mountains. Good luck yeah. rock climbing, yeah. paragliding, everything that you you're doing, man. Good luck um sleeping under the stars and enjoying those yeah. those moments. Well, every, every evening or every evening I sleep on my tent. I sleep in a one million star hotel, so it's not that bad. That's brilliant, eh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Thanks. Thanks oh, so thank much. You. It's like really inspiring also to listen to your podcast and the, and the people that come on there and you're going like bloody every week you're in a different country so that's pretty pretty oh, no. cool also. No, i can't keep up with myself <laughs> yeah too. no no it's it's sick every time like this combo i'm frothing now because i'm about to travel yeah. that's the whole point <laughs> of it i'm so itchy to start like hiking and do do some yeah. mountaineering and you know, know. Yeah. yeah let's go do a workout <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> no, that, that it's good oh all right dude yeah. all right listeners keep frothing just keep yeah just keep in you guys like just if you want to do it, do it. Write down a list. Yeah. Give like, it a go. Give it a go. And if you don't like it, at least you know you don't like yeah, it. Yeah, you don't owe no one anything but yourself. Yeah. You that's know what I mean? Right. Yeah, set a goal. Start working towards it. If you yeah. don't like it, change the goalpost. But just that's go it. for something. Yeah, yeah. All right, wicked. All right, let's let's get out of here. All right. All right thanks, Bert. See you later. Thank you. Now, guys, if you like this episode, feel free to share it for me. Take a screenshot, put it on your social media stories, tell your mates, tell your mum. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. I'll see you guys next time.
Yeah, do it like a double.